Hello, welcome to episode 40 of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast that is so Warhammer, just pop us on a spray stick and give us a good priming. <laughs> I'm your host, Matt, and joining me as always, a guy so concentrated he takes a bottle of contrast medium everywhere he goes. It's Cameron. How you doing, mate? I'm doing pretty well. It is important to stay hydrated. Never forget to just chug that medium whenever you start feeling a little dry and headachy. <laughs> Don't do that. It's probably not toxic, but it's also probably not good for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... I think you'll get a bit unwell. I think you'll end up a bit Nurgle-like. Yeah, uh, don't... Just yeah, a wee bit. Everyone, don't drink medium. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we, most people have built, built up a bit of a resistance after obviously drinking oh, yeah. out their paint pots for yeah. many years <laughs> accidentally, or maybe on purpose, who knows. Mm. But yeah, don't do it. <laughs> Not recommended. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Cameron, episode 40, mm. mate. 40. Yeah. Big, That's big, scary. Uh, four, oh, yeah, it is. What the hell did yeah. we do to get this far? <laughs> I know. I know. I say that every time, but it still feels <laughs> weird. <laughs> it, it does. It really does. Like I was saying before, the recording, it's like we're almost up to two years now, in a few mm. months. And yeah, it's scary. <laughs> it's yeah. It's really scary how quickly <laughs> time is going. And for obviously, very appropriate number 40 for mm. 40K. Yeah. And we've got a 40K topic. Um, yeah. So actually, yeah, let's, what are we going to be talking about today? So as always, we'll talk about obviously our hobby stuff what we've been building and buying etc then mm -hmm. we'll get into stuck into the news a uh, good good amount to get through in this show yeah, actually quite, yeah a decent bit quite a bit <laughs> yep <laughs> and then like i said for the main law topic we are going to give you an overview of the thunder warriors so go back into the dark deepest history of 40k uh, and then at the end we'll have a aos discussion topic where we're basically going to talk about obviously now that we're on the verge of all the AOS 2.0 books coming out, what do we think they may do next? Or, or what would our suggestions be, potentially? Mm. So, all very exciting. But before, before we get stuck into the main bulk of the show, we just let's do a little bit of admin. Um, if you haven't caught it yet already, our little spin-off show, or the first episode, I should say, of our spin-off show, Warhammer Waffle, is now out. It came out as of this recording, recording being the 10th of November today. So, yeah, it came out earlier this week. So if you've not checked it out, go look at it now or go have a listen. Uh, basically, it's just myself and Cameron waffling about Warhammer, clues in the title. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, and as always, if you want to be able to support the show or check us out on social media, obviously all the notes will be down in the podcast description. Obviously, uh, I haven't done this for a little while, but hey, give us an iTunes review, a five-star <laughs> one. You'd be our bestest buds of all time, honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Please, that'd be lovely. Thank you very much. <laughs> mm. um, and as always, if you want to join our lovely, gorgeous Discord server full of lovely, great people, uh, you can. It's always free to join. And like I said, if you do join, you can ask us a question and we will answer it on the show. And this is today's question. This comes from Dr. Octagon. Mm. Okay, I've got a question. If and when you add corpses, skulls, helmets, and heads to models and bases, do you prefer to select armies slash chapters and factions you like, i.e. showing heroic deaths, or do you seize the chance for petty revenge and pick something you hate? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so what's your thoughts then? 
Um, now, I actually haven't done this a whole bunch. I'm trying to think of where I have done it. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I don't I don't put a lot of trophies on things. Uh, generally speaking, I like to go for something thematically appropriate. So, like, you know, it's, it's always good. Like, if I was doing Tyranids, I'd put Blood Angels heads and stuff on there, that kind of thing. Um, but off the top of my head, actually, <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think it's, um, between thematically appropriate for like the fluff for that particular army and what I like in terms of things I'd just like to see out there. So like for my, um, for my Knight Desecrator, which has a bunch of trophies, I actually just made up a bunch of house color schemes. I don't think there's any actual official house color scheme on any of the trophy masks he has, <laughs> but he does have a Flesh Terror's helmet up there as well because the flesh chairs are the best i love them um <laughs> uh and you know I, I, I don't i don't have a particular grudge against any one uh warhammer faction uh they are all my beautiful estranged children um and so I, I, i'm not doing this out of grudge i'm doing it out of what i think fits best and also what i can actually paint with what i have <laughs> i have a fairly limited <laughs> palette i tend to work with yeah yeah no that's no, that's a that's a fair point um I mean, I think that, like you said, it comes down to what's appropriate for the model, what you can fit, you know, because obviously you may want, I know, the particular trophy of a particular faction on your model, but it may Mm. not be the right size. It may not appropriately fit. It may just not look right. Um, I, I suppose you're also in a bit of a funny position because obviously... If you look at the ones that you hate, potentially, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. oh, like you said, not yourself doesn't really hate particular factions. I don't particularly hate factions apart from Imperial and Guard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're just my, they're just like I said, yeah. always my kryptonite. Um, but then I don't own any Imperial Guard. So mm. therefore, by definition, I haven't got any lying around to, <laughs> you know, to use them as trophies by mm. sort of definition. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's hilarious. Obviously, if you do it just to wind your friends up. Obviously, if you're part of a, you know, a mm. club or something, oh, yeah. and you know, you know that you know the people you play against have got real affinity towards certain factions, then yes, shove them on there. Why not? And mm. you can all have a good laugh about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like I'm like you. I'm not. Ma- I don't really put many trophies and skulls and such like on things. I'm. I don't like models to be too busy at times yeah. really so i don't really do it myself so probably not the best person to answer this question but like i said i think if i did it more then my answer would probably be whatever is the most appropriate as opposed to what i hate really mm. um i think it's nice to put a curveball in i yeah. put in something where like these two factions like i the model you you're doing plus obviously the trophy is that they these are two armies that don't really often fight against each other like you may mm. not see i don't know say you're doing some you know Drukari stuff and you put some necron stuff on there as a trophy okay. you know because yeah. you don't you know yeah. i mean because it would be a bit you know because obviously you would expect that the trophy would be either a human or obviously someone from the craft worlds for example you know that would be the appropriate mm. thing to put as a trophy but you know put a curveball in there why not Get inspired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the question, though. It's a really mm-hmm. good question. Yeah, it's a good one. So nice and uh, yeah, nice for it's a bit different to what we've covered before. So, no, thank you very much for your question. Greatly appreciated. Right. Okay. Well, let's get stuck into the hobby section. So, mm-hmm. Cameron, what have you been doing for the last couple of weeks, mate? 
Um, alrighty, so uh, first things first, uh, last episode I said I would be shipping off the Funko Pop to Sombermine, all the way out in Belgium. Uh, it has been shipped, it has arrived, it is sitting in a post office until Tuesday, because apparently Monday's a bank <laughs> holiday uh, in Belgium, uh, but it's there, it made it. I, I don't know if it's still got its head attached or not, we will find out, I guess. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll know for sure by next episode. Um, I actually, once I completed it, I was in such a haste uh, to box it up and ship it off because I felt like it had been going on for so long that I forgot to take any uh, any final update photos. Uh, so those are going to have to wait until he gets it and can unbox it and take photos <laughs> for me. Uh, but I was pretty happy with how it came out. I did a, um, I think it's a Martian Iron Crust for the base, for the base, so like... um red dusty cracked terrain kind of thing um which i felt contrasted pretty nicely with black blue and white power armor um pretty happy with the scheme overall as well uh if if i do a loyalist primaris reinforce i guess i'll do them in this scheme uh one day one day eventually <laughs> put, put that off for as long as i possibly can honestly um <laughs> uh and then, in terms of further painting and stuff, uh, last episode, I talked about how I had cooked up a paint scheme for the Grimwatch. Uh, I continued painting, and now they are pretty much all done. Um, so I completed the Royal Butcher was my test model, and then I completed the Knight's Herald, uh, which is the guy with, like wearing a skeleton. Uh, then, I yeah. did, <laughs> then I did Duke Crackmarrow with his big halberd, because he is the best model that's been released in a while i think honestly because he's so good <laughs> um then i did the bats and now i have the final three ghouls are basically i'm gonna, I'm gonna call them like 90 percent done like i just need to do a bit more detailing finish off the bases and varnish them and they are 100 percent done which is awesome um it's kind of a quick turnaround because it's been two weeks and they are yeah. basically done which i don't know how i managed that uh, just doing little bits here and there actually really adds up, I guess. Um, so that's been that's been pretty good. That's been fun. Um, the second Armager I had is now actually complete and ready for priming. Um, so I've got the arms assembled and attached and everything and all good to go. So just a matter of it not being incredibly hot uh, to the point where primer just bakes <laughs> midair before it hits the model. Um <laughs> For context, if you weren't in Australia uh, over this weekend, uh, it got to 40 degrees uh, Celsius yesterday, uh, which I checked for the Americans is about 117 Fahrenheit. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's up there. It was was hot. It was dry. Um, I tried doing some painting and the paint would literally dry on the brush as I pulled it out of the pot. (laughs) Uh, So I I gave up yesterday. I've got to admit, I did a little today, but yeah, whatever. Um... In terms of reading, I've kept on reading the Gaunt's Ghost series. I'm a decent chunk into, I think it's the third book called Necropolis now, technically. I'm reading it yeah, out of the omnibus, yeah. um, quite enjoying it, having a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's interesting because like, a lot of the Gaunt's Ghost stuff so far has been like big Imperial Crusade stuff. And then this book is more like, hey, these two hives, they're going to have a trade war with, like, capital letters on trade and war. And like, oh, so they're going to economically... No, no, the other city has sent a battalion of Lehman Russes to attack the city. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Um, yeah, so it, it is... Um, and I don't know if it will... It, it will probably end up being Chaos versus Imperium, because Chaos is doubtless behind this somehow. But for now, it's no like... Doubt an internecine conflict just between two economic powers that went too far. And I kind of really like that. <laughs> um, 
and you know it's, it's like the bureaucracy whole bureaucracy things like the hives independent they rule the planet etc etc and then the one guy from the administratum is actually well went uh well actually your hive is really important for production so we did notify the entire imperium about this so um yeah sorry to undermine your authority and everything everyone's like shocked like you did what it's like yeah no listen <laughs> we we need the metal and stuff you produce i know it's a little unusual but we're going to step in and presumably that's how Gaunt's ghosts get involved. We'll see once I read further. Um, cool. Yeah, and then we go to uh, we go to buying and assembling. So first off, I picked up the Ossiak Bone Reapers tome because we're covering that next episode. It's a good book. Yes, got lots of cool stuff in it. Uh, the Ossiaks in general, very very cool. Big big into it. Love it. Um, when I picked that up, I also grabbed their endless spells uh, because they're very cool. And I wanted them for D and D. I might do a little Ossiak Force at some point, but mostly this was a. These are some very cool models that are actually relatively cheap because the uh, endless spells for like what you get in the box are pretty good price, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and they they're still like the produced in China stuff, so the slightly different plastic, not quite as detailed, but they are much better. I feel than the early endless spells in terms of like overall design, like the seams are all hidden. They're super, super they're, they're not super, super detailed, but they're pretty well detailed. Um, and they're just really cool, like, conceptually. Like, one of them is this big bird made out of bones that is, like, pulling the souls out of a bunch of corpses and on the ground and stuff like that. They're, they've got some cool stuff. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, on that same day, it was the 50th store celebration, I believe. Yes. Yes, 50th store opened up in the Australian and New Zealand <laughs> area. Um so I also picked up a Terminator Chaplain, uh, which was for release only that day. Uh, God, it's it's such a cool little model, and it was cheaper than I thought. So I went, okay, fine, I'll get it. Um, so I put them, <laughs> I put them together. I've got a got a couple of bits blue tacked on just for painting. Um, but so again, really neat little model goes together really well. Um, it's a little older than the other models. I think it's a few years old. Like it's been around yeah. for a bit. Yeah. But it's a plastic Terminator Chaplain. It looks sick as hell. Um, <laughs> that's all I'll say about it. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what scheme I'm going to paint it in. It will be black because it's a chaplain, obviously. But apart from that, of course. not a clue. <laughs> so we'll find out. <laughs> so is it, just a, is it just a little project for you to do in the future, basically? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It's like, this is this is a cool model I've seen, for a, seen around for a while and always had an interest in. And it's a single model, so it won't be too much of a problem to do. Yeah, the, I mean, that'll probably become a lie. I'll figure out how that was a bad thing to do eventually. <laughs> um, but it, he's so cool. He's so radical. Yeah, I definitely. Could, yeah, yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, let's see, I've picked up some more contrast paints because contrast paints continue to be good. I picked up Black Templar and Magos Purple, both of them really mm-hmm. solid at what they do. Uh, yeah. Especially Magos Purple is like that sort of thin, light, very transparent purple. Um, it is, yeah. It's almost pink sometimes in, when you look yeah. at it. In, especially mm. when you put it over Wraithbone, I've noticed. Because mm. I noticed that I used it after I used, was it Shyish Purple? Because Shyish Purple, mm. I think I said before on the show, is one that I think when you put it on, looks great. But when it mm. when it dries, it gets very dark, a lot darker than you think it's going to be. And yeah. then, like I said, in contrast, <laughs> no pun intended, um, the, the, uh, the Shyish, uh, not Shyish, the Magos one is a lot lighter in comparison. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's really nice, actually. 
yeah, I've been using it to do like bruised flesh and like the edges of cuts and stuff like that. And it's turned out mm-hmm. really well for that. Uh, it's very nice. Um, I also, 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 also picked up the Mortisan Soul Reaper. Uh, from the Ossiarch Bone Reapers. Uh, again, this was technically a D&D purchase, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, <laughs> but the Ossiarchs, though. Um, uh, I, I love need, this I is your to... justification. <laughs> listen, listen I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up my undead focused D&D campaign sometime yeah. in the next couple of months, and all these cool undead are being released. I'm like, oh, this is a boss, and this is a boss. I could just imagine you doing air quotes <laughs> as you're saying these. Yes, this is for my D&D project. <laughs> I mean, like, all... Look, it's for my D&D project. Also, I did say yes. I'd be doing death for next year in Armies on Parade. So it's a future. Yes. <laughs> so we'll see Is how that goes. Don't worry, I'm not judging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, for for those still not up to up to date with all the uh, Ossiarch uh, vocabulary, the Soul Reaper is the hero model with a big scythe. Um, mm-hmm. They are super, super cool. They go together, again, really, really well. Like, this is like... I don't want to say peak, peak Games Workshop design in a plastic kit, but it is near it. Um, like, for example, yeah, yeah. all the attachment points are either hidden or they are they go together in spots where it's super easy to just smooth it over with plastic glue. And once the glue dries, it looks like there was never a gap. So yeah, super yeah, happy yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, and it's just a really cool design. Like, it, it looks good in photos, but then you get it in person, it's like it's got lots of other little details you didn't notice before like it's wearing that sort of flowy robe that's all decayed and stuff and inside you can see the legs and see all the extra little vials holding people's souls and stuff uh and the scythe is just awesome um and honestly were i a necron player i would have picked up a couple of these and started clipping off all the protrusions and sanding it down into a more metallic shape because it would work (laughs) great as a necron of some description um as, as quite a bit of the Ossiarch stuff would, honestly. Um, I'm sure that'll start happening sooner or later. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, it's, yeah, it's a lovely little model. Went together really well. Uh, just looks super, super radical. Um, <laughs> and off the top of my head, I believe that's everything I've done these last couple of weeks. So I've done some buying and some assembly and a decent bit of painting, which I'm happy with. So, yeah. Yeah productive as always well mm. you know like i said it's, <laughs> it's a, a nice little mix so that's cool mm. right mm. okay speaking uh, of right, productive what, what are you being mm. up to <laughs> mm. well it's funny you say that because uh <laughs> you know for people not in the know i got quite ill after the last recording if you listen to our last main episode i was flagging during the show and then basically mm. the basically that evening and then the day after i got really ill with a really bad bout of flu and a mm. chesty cough and everything i was off work for most of the lap in the next week and even now I'm, i mean i'm much much better than i was but i'm still now trying to you know shake it off so it, what, what the point i'm trying to make is that as of i know about half a week ago i was like when when i we have to record this section i'm gonna have very little to say because i'm like mm. i've just been too ill to really do much <laughs> luckily I've actually been quite productive in the last sort of, uh, like I said, about half a week or so. So when it comes to the hobby section, um, I have been carrying on with my uh, Nurgle stuff for Mm -hmm, AOS. mm -hmm. Um, So I have fully built my first unit of five Blight Kings. Um, I I mean, I'm sure there'll be ones better in the future, but I I reiterate, it is one of the best kits I've Mm. ever worked with, to be honest. Just what you were saying about the Soul Reaper... 
it, it, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous kit. Everything looks grim and, and horrible, mm. like you would imagine. But like I said, everything works well. Everything's chunky. It all fits together nicely. All the attachment points are nice. Um, minimal mold lines, uh, minimum injection points, or they're always, or if they mm. are, they're in appropriate places, you know, that are easy to get rid of. And yeah, yeah and I'm, I mean, I'm literally looking at my, my uh, Blight Kings right now in my display cabinet, <laughs> and they say they look great. I mean, obviously, I still got to prime them yet, but mm. they just look great. They're full of character, uh, full of detail, and what's great is I've got two more boxes <laughs> on my shelf yes. there ready to build soon. Yes. Um, as part of my 1,000 points, I'm going to have 15 of them. Um, and obviously, what, what I'm going to basically do is the next box, which I'll start on soon, I will do the alternative builds, because if you look in the instructions... Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you've got alternative ones. And so basically, so basically for this first five, I've literally just done the default just to, mm-hmm. you know, just start there. Like I said, next unit, I will do the alternatives. And then the third unit, I will do, alternate them even more as much as mm-hmm. I can. Um, I'm trying to get at least a banner bearer and the, um, the bell guy in there yeah. as well. Cause obviously that actually, you know, affects their rules and such like. So I'm going to try and get one in, e- in each unit because. You know, like I said, I'm using them as three units of five. So yeah, uh, yeah, they like I said, they're just they're just bloody brilliant. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, good. <laughs> so um, so yeah, so I've got those built. I, I prior to that, I'd already built a Lord of Plague, so I've got him built he, again. He was a lovely kit. Um, and then yesterday, as in well, last night, I worked on my next little part of the army, um, which I'm really pleased with, to be honest. Um, and that's my Chaos Sorcerer Lord of Nurgle. Yeah. So I basically got hold of the current Chaos Sorcerer Lord. Uh, if you're not familiar with that model, it, I think he officially comes under Slaves of Darkness at the moment uh, because he's mm. just generic Chaos Sorcerer. He's the one on foot. He was part of the Warhammer Quest range as well. So when Warhammer Quest was out not a lot, you know, a few years ago and they did, I think they did an expansion, he was one of the characters that come with it. He's basically one with the staff and the, and the pointy horns. He looks a bit zinch like, uh, yeah. but you know, again, te- technically he's, he's a generic Chaos Sorcerer Lord. So yeah, so basically I, I took him and obviously from the first box of Blight Kings that I built, I had quite a few spare pieces. Again, it's a lovely kit mm-hmm. because it's got, lots of uh, gubbins to put on things so <laughs> so yeah so basically i i kept it relatively simple so I, I used the body of the sorcerer i cut the top of his staff off and i replaced it with a nurgle symbol type staff that again comes with the maggot um with the sorry with the blight king's box i then took one of again one of the arms from the blight kings that i'd spare which is basically a tentacle with a little bell at the end of it so again i mm-hmm. i took that arm i cut off the shoulder because the way that the Chaos Sorcerer is, his shoulder's already there, so I then pop yeah. that in. So he's got basically a tentacle arm, which, again, is quite appropriate because in the real model, he's, you know, the, the normal Sorcerer Lord, he's just got mm. a spare hand, yeah. you know, not really doing much. So, it, you know, it's, it works well. Um, and then basically I picked, what again, one of the Blight King helms or helmets that uh, it's the one where it's basically a big blade coming out of mm-hmm. the helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, he, as someone said on Reddit, it looks like the um, looks like a Scalibur out of Warframe, the video game. If you're familiar <laughs> yeah. with that, um, and yeah, I must admit, it's, it's had a really good reaction. You know, I, I put mm. it on, I put it on Twitter, I put it on Reddit, and everyone's you know been really 
praising of it. You know, oh, it's been yeah. really nice. You know, it's a, again, it's simple. You know, I mean, I said it's just literally mm. a simple kit bash, but I just feel it work. It works well. You know, so um, so yeah, mm. I got him. I said built yesterday, and even even before this recording, I think about half an hour before, <laughs> I've started on my feculent Narmal as well. Yeah. Started building that. So yeah, I'm I'm. I'm fully throwing my face into the bosom of Nurgle at the moment, which <laughs> is quite a disgusting thought when you think about it. But um, <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, yeah. So like I said, I've actually you know making some uh, headway mm. with it. So uh, weather's been a bit dodgy here. It was raining yeah. all of yesterday, so um, but quite the opposite of you, yeah. <laughs> Cameron. And uh, it's made priming, you know, a bit difficult. So again, I'm gonna you know wait until the weather's a little bit more appropriate, mm. and I'm gonna let's like say start priming them and start working on them. So yeah. yeah, so basically, once once I've got the other two Blight King boxes built, um, then really the only other things I need to uh, build or get at that point is I need to get Gut Rop Spume, who <laughs> I'm going to get at Warhammer World next weekend, which I'll talk about in a minute. Mm. And then I'm going, like I said, being, uh, build a Harbinger of Decay. And I said, I've got a few ideas with uh, with that boy, because again, he's a fine cast model at the moment. Like I said, I want to make my own version. Um, and yeah, mm. when he's built, then basically I've got, you know, well, I've actually got more than a thousand points at that point. So I've got mm. a few, you know, heroes I can interchange. But basically it'll be, like I said, it'll be built on the 15 Blight Kings. And yeah, I'll be, mm. you know, I think it'll be a really good start to my Nurgle side. So I'm really excited yeah, about that. And like I said, I'm just really enjoying it. I'm just really clicking mm. with mm. this uh, as an army, you know, and as a, you know, from a building project, it's you know, just just cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, right, what's next? Actually, yeah, t- you know, talking about Warhammer World. So, uh, if, if, like I said, if you've been listening, we, me and some of the guys that obviously listen to the show and obviously uh, friends with, uh, we were going to be playing 40K at Warhammer World next Sunday. Uh, unfortunately, we, we all tended to be in the position where we're not really have our armies ready <laughs> to play. Mm. Um, obviously, I was building you know, custodians for it, um, yeah. which to be fair, I'm a couple of models off finishing them from a build perspective. So I, you know, I mm. think I could, I could have made a push and done it, but, uh, I think like I said that all of us guys are in the same boat where, you know, we're either not really far off, but they're not primed, they're not painted. Do we want to rush them just to get them on the table? Mm, probably not. So, so basically, we made a decision which I think has worked out quite well. So, so mm. we're still going to Warhammer World next Sunday, um, but we're going to have, basically have a day of specialist games. So, Ooh. we're basically bringing Warcry, we're bringing Underworlds, we're bringing Aeronautica Imperialis, and we're bringing Combat Arena as well that random one that's mm. only available in certain countries so that'll be really cool <laughs> so basically we're going to hunker down in bugman's mm. and i said just play those games all day awesome. really so yeah. i think that's going to be i'm really looking forward to that and it, it it's basically taking the pressure off ourselves you know yeah. obviously like i said not to so like i said to rush our 40k stuff just to get it on the table and you know again it's not stopping us you know doing you know doing it sometime next year but it's nice that we're still not we're not cancelling the day as well you know because we've had it mm. obviously but you know sort of booked in for quite a few months now and yeah i'm really looking forward to i'm looking really looking forward to playing underworlds yeah at last um Good. i've I'm, <laughs> I'm basically so basically um my mate martin's going to bring some of the newer war bands he's going to bring a couple of those like the like the beast you know the beast of chaos one out of uh, beast grave whereas i'm mm. going to bring some of the old school ones so i'm going to bring because 
purely because I know I've gotten built, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to bring, bring the uh, Sepulchral Guard and the uh, the Steelheart Champions, which is the original okay. Stormcast one as well. Yeah. So just for a bit yeah. of variation, really. Because mm. obviously they're still relevant. You can, you know, with the cards and everything, you still play with them. Mm. So, uh, yeah. And like I said, it would be nice to do, like I said, Warcry. My plan is, because obviously we played Warcry last time at Warhammer World, but obviously since then we've had the Monsters and Mercenaries expansion. So what I'm going to look to do is bring my Manticore with me and basically, you know, pretend it's Chimera because, you know, there's not that much yeah. difference between them. And yeah, so exactly. we'll, we'll, we'll play that scenario out, which will be cool. And, um, yeah, like I said, I'll be, and like I said, I'm looking forward to playing, you know, Aeronautica and, and Combat Arena. Again, I suppose it mm-hmm. depends what, you know, what time we've got <laughs> in the end. So. <laughs> And, you know, because obviously we'll be browsing the shops and obviously yeah, trying to resist yeah. temptation. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, like I said, I'll be getting gut rops when he when he's there because he's only he's direct only, unfortunately. So I've had to, mm, I'll get yeah. him out of there. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And obviously, so awesome. so in theory, next episode I'll be able to you know report on how that went. Mm. So that's really exciting. Yeah, looking um, forward to it. Right, yeah. Um, right, so carrying on, uh, what have I been buying? Right, um, mainly books, <laughs> looking at my <laughs> list here. So like you, I bought the Ossiarch Bone Reapers Battle Tome, because like you said, we're covering it next episode. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I, just because I've been busy with other bits, I haven't even <laughs> taken the shrink wrap <laughs> off it yet. But I will, starting mm-hmm. tomorrow, because obviously I need to read it for next episode. So <laughs> looking forward to that. Um, I bought the... Um, the uh, Nurgle, you know, the Maggot King uh, tome mm. for AOS as well, because obviously I'm, you know, starting them as an army. I managed to get it for like, I think £11 on eBay. It was an oh, absolute bargain. Nice. So yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, made a cheeky offer, got it for that, you know. Mm. So that's always uh, a really good. Um, <laughs> and another thing that arrived the other day, which I, talking of eBay, completely forgot about, is that I had, I forgot I bought a Tomb Kings army book <laughs> i just wanted it purely for nostalgia purely mm. for a nice bit of reading so i got the the the, the final one the you know the eighth mm. edition army book before they you know got squatted basically um so yeah i just it was just a nice bit of reading i think i got it for about 20 quid and you know managed to bargain them down and mm. like I said, it was just like I said, it just turned up at my door thinking oh yeah i forgot i ordered that so um, yeah again <laughs> it's just purely purely for my my bookshelf really just something yeah. there's a nice you know Nice thing to sort of have a proper read of at times. So looking forward to that. Um, uh, talking of temptation and things like that, um, I bought Feast of Bones <laughs> because um, I. it's funny because I wasn't actually going to buy it. And so mm. obviously when it came out or what the day it was, you know, obviously released it, as we said, it sort of, you know, went off the shelves or the pre-orders, you know, sort mm. of disappeared very quickly. Um, obviously I buy my, all my new stuff from Alchemist and they sold out, you know, relatively quickly like everyone else. And yeah. I thought, right, you know, that's fair enough. And then during when I was off ill, they tweeted that they had another 50 in stock <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it down to me being ill. I was like, yeah. right, this is an omen. I need, I'm going to buy this. I'm, I'm going to regret not buying this later down the line when I want to start Bone Reapers or such like. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I bought it. And unlike me buying Blood of the Phoenix, which I, like I said last episode, I instantly regretted, I mm. don't regret buying Feast of Bones because I know Good. next year when I, you know, there'll be that moment where mm. I'm like, I'm really glad I bought this because oh, I know yeah. I'm going to want these models. So it's going away. It's in the attic. You know, it's sealed up there and it's, mm. you know, going away. Like I said, I'm working on my Nurgle stuff. I don't <laughs> want to be distracted from that. 
because I'm really enjoying it. Uh, but mm. yeah, I bought it and it will it will rear its head next year. I'm pretty <laughs> sure of that. Awesome. <laughs> um, and yesterday, the last thing I bought over this last couple of weeks is I bought the new spray stick as well. So um, just because, I mean, I don't, I don't really, I suppose I don't technically need it because like a lot of people, when I prime or spray prime, I mm. just use a bit of wood. But I, it just looks more convenient and also it's a second one. You know, I was just thinking, well, at yeah. the end of the day, it doesn't mean I don't. I can't use my stick of wood. I can just use that and the new mm. spray stick at the same. You know, I just can yeah, alternate exactly. between the two. Mm-hmm. So um, again, I've not used it yet because the weather's been a bit too crap to uh, <laughs> to, to spray prime. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, it was pretty reasonably priced. I think you know, I got it from the local store. It's about ten quid. So mm. yeah, I you know, I think it's going to be a cool little bit of uh, kit. So looking forward to trying that out. Um, and lastly, um, I have managed to do a bit of reading because, again, mm-hmm. I managed to blitz uh, Ghoul Slayer in the last few mm-hmm. days uh, while I'm returned to work. And that's, uh, you know, that's the latest uh, Gotrek novel. It sort of came out not long after re- the, re- the recent Realm Slayer. It is connected mm-hmm. to Realm Slayer, i.e. it follows after that. Um, it's the one by Darius Hinks. And it's really good. It's mm-hmm. really, really good. And I'm going to be controversial. I'm just going to throw it out here. I think it's better than Realm Slayer actually and, mm-hmm. and 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 i mean i'm don't get me wrong uh realm slayer with with uh brian blessed has got trek is is you know is the thing it's the nuts that's mm-hmm. that he's he's the best person for it but i meant as a story i much preferred it um I, yeah i think it was just easier to understand because as much as i love realm slayer and i if you've not ever listened to either of them go check them mm-hmm. out because i fully recommend them because it's an audio drama it can be a bit chaotic at times you know sometimes you're trying to yeah. fathom what's going on whereas again because this isn't just a standard novel it it's yeah it's just it's a bit clearer but it's in a nutshell it's it's basically got trek wanting to kill nagash yeah okay and that's and, and uh, <laughs> the journey to try and do that but it's very interesting you know um and obviously as the title suggests ghoul slayer it involves the flesh eater courts as well um mm. i personally think you should you should check it out, Cameron, as well, because I think yeah, you'd appreciate it. Sounds like I should. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give in to that temptation. So, yeah, check out Ghoul Slayer. It's really, really good. Um, and that's it. Yeah, so despite being ill, I've managed to do stuff. Yeah, um, you did quite a bit. So, yeah, you know, sort of, you know, when you put your mind to it, managed to blitz a few things. So mm. long may it continue. Uh, right, okay. I think that's all our hobby stuff. So I think we'll now have a cheeky little break and then when we return we're gonna get into all the cheeky warmer news as well back soon right we're back we're back to talk about the news we're back to spread news all over the warhammer toast it's there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot to cover on this one and it seems like prophecies are coming true as well obviously we spoke about i think it was last episode we spoke about that leaked spreadsheet mm. and yeah <laughs> yeah the things we're seeing pretty are pretty accurate yeah <laughs> although although i have to say they did pull a fast one on us with one of the items so mm. you know Which you know you know what i'm talking about um with the slaves to darkness on the leak it only listed a new start collecting box and what ah, it true. didn't say was there's all new models yeah <laughs> that that's, that's it's, true it's like they're trying to they're trying to outthink us <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I suppose they they did catch it out because I suppose we were thinking, oh, it'd just be a rehash of the old models, and no, no, mm. they've no. thrown a load of new stuff at us. 
But yeah. before we get into that, we'll talk about the 40k <laughs> stuff first. <laughs> so, uh, Battle Forces have been announced. Obviously, again, these were leaked a little while ago, I think even before that spreadsheet. So, it was, it was a leak before the... So it was a leak before the leak, yeah. <laughs> so <yeah>. to speak. <laughs> so as always, uh, every year now we're getting, you know, obviously a collection of 40k and AOS battle forces. So they mm. said they have been announced. So from the 40k side, so the so the first one is the Blood Angels one, which is the Crimson Spear Strike Force. Um, mm. I I quite I see. I I don't dislike this one. I mean, it's very. Blood Angels, you know, you're getting, what's it? Sang- yeah. Uh, you're getting the, um, sangu- what's it called? The Guard, the Sanguarian Guard. Sangu- sanguinary Guard. Guard, that's yeah. it. Death Company. Uh, you're getting, uh, what's that? Is that a Baal Predator at the back? I yeah. Think. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, you know, I don't dislike it. I, I, I think the general consensus is it's nice that they're putting like actual themed units in here. Cause like last year, the chapter related battle forces had generic primaris units with an upgrade mm-hmm. kit. And so everyone's like, yeah, it's nice that they are properly themed now. However, according to people who play blood angels, they don't want any more of these things. So it's like, <laughs> what do we do with this? <laughs> yeah. It's not, I... it's not for actual blood angels players, supposedly. No, but I, I suppose it's for themat- thematic players as opposed oh, yeah. to meta players. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But again, I suppose GW aren't aiming it towards you know the competitive mm. side. Really, mm. I mean, yeah. I suppose you could be you could really put your cynical hat on and say, obviously, they're trying to use these to get rid of or you know move mm. on some of these older mm. models. You know, some of the kits that may yeah. not sell as well. But I mean, yeah. You know, it's it's, yeah, it's it's you know it's a very you know I think it's a very appropriate Blood Angels kit. Oh yeah, to be honest. Thematically, so. I actually really like it because it's the Primaris are the sort of foot troops here, and then all the elite stuff is old school Blood Angels. Mm. You got your Death Company, you've got your Sanguinary Guard, you've got a Terminator Captain, sort yep. of like doing the brunt of the actual fighting while all these intercessors sit back on objectives, presumably. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> and it come and a vehicle, so. And actually, I just seen there's the uh, notice there's the chaplain with the jump pack in there as well. Mm. He's right next to the death uh, company, just snuck in there. Mm. So yeah, I, yeah. I you know I think it's you know I think it's pretty good. The obviously yeah. got now the, the space wolves one, uh, which is the mm-hmm. talons of Morkai. Uh, again, I, I I you know this is you know pretty good as well because again from my understanding is wolf and a very competitive in the mm. space wolf side. So again, you get a unit of them, a unit of intercessors um and you get what's like, is it the yeah stormfang storm stormwolf uh, is the flyer yeah. yeah so again that's not bad again thematic yeah. um yeah. you know and and that would be i suppose an iron priest at the start at the front it's an iron mm-hmm. priest yeah. yeah yeah so yeah i mean again that's fine uh the mm-hmm. chaos space marine ones vengeance warband um i suppose in comparison this could be deemed to be a bit more boring because it's uh, but again, it's I suppose it's ultimately the sort of units you'd you know expect. It's Terminators, mm. Havocs, and obviously Care Space Marines, a Rhino, and a, a Terminator Lord. I suppose some people may find this yeah. a little bit boring in comparison to some of the others. But again, I suppose mm. would would they realistically chuck in a Lord Discordant? Mm, maybe if you were lucky, but but probably not. <laughs> like, I, I feel they would to do that. They would cut the Rhino. And the Terminator Lord, and maybe even the Havocs. Yeah, to chuck one in there, and like, exactly. I, I really like the Chaos Marines box just because 
it's what I want a Chaos Space Marines army to be, which yeah. is a ton of guys in power armor. Mm. And then from like a competitive point, it's not an amazing box, but it's a cool box mm. at least. Instead of just like yeah. Here, here's my thirty cultists and a Chaos Lord, and then <laughs> yeah. all my tanks. Yeah, like, uh, it, it, it's again, it's it's a nice theme yes. for a box, if not necessarily the most competitive option. Yeah, and which again, they're not. Let's be honest, they're not looking at it from that perspective. It is a, it's for people mm. that you know want to kick off an army potentially, or maybe expand one. And I, you know, again, you know, you could argue this one's a boring box. I don't think it is because, again, I think, like you said, I think yeah. having terminators, having havocs, it, it just gives you a nice baseline and and a bit mm. of variation. So, no, I think that was pretty cool as well. Uh, you got the Drakari one, the Poison Blade raiding party. Mm-hmm. Again, a nice mix of things. I mean, obviously. Drakari is a funny one because obviously I know that yeah. there was a bit of flack with Blood of the Phoenix because obviously the way that the Drakari work obviously with the different like cabals and cults and such like having a mix mm. of models isn't actually a good thing in in that sense you yeah. want a theme you know like a central theme between them but again yeah. it's a nice mix you know I don't I don't again you, well, you get witches you get cabalite warriors by the look of it. Um, you got uh, an I was at an archon at the you know which is again a yeah you know, a mainstay yeah. unit again it's a mixed bag you know of of stuff really mm. and I I mean I think again I think with the battle forces it's always not to look at them as like this is a ready made army that's not obviously how these are, are built like I said they're either a baseline you know for someone that were like oh I really want to start Trakari here we go I'll buy this box mm. and then like I said you get obviously some of the base units you would expect or you know you've got a few Jakari you bought the start collective box or you bought you know a few other models or you, oh, for example you bought yeah. Blood of the Phoenix yeah. and you go right I want to add on to it I'll get this box and again it just gives you mm. just a mm. you know a bigger collection you know at the end of the day yeah. really yeah so um yeah I don't think that's a bad thing uh Tyranids one Bioswarm again uh, mm. you know I'm I'm not that okay with Tyranids from a competitive point of view, but again, yeah, you know, it's a, it's again a nice mix, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a few um, Carnifexes in there by the look of it. Yeah, you get uh, two Carnifexes, a Hive Tyrant, 12 Termagants, 12 Homogons, 8 Gene Sealers, and 10 Gargoyles. Um, from everything I've heard from local Tyranid players, they love everything except the Gargoyles in there, so yeah, <laughs> doesn't seem like a yeah. bad box at all. And um, in terms of the savings, I think that's one of the higher ones as well. Yeah, I'd um, agree with that. that I'm looking at, um, what is it, this one's a US breakdown where the total price of stuff in there is 290 US bucks and you're getting it for 185 so it's <laughs> um, $105 off or something in in the US, so US tuner players go nuts. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, again, I think it's, it's pretty solid. Um, and then mm. the final one is the Tau Empire one, which is the yep. Star Claimer Hunter cadre. Um, uh, it, again, this was okay. Again, you know, from a meta point of view, um, it's mm. not fantastic because you, you know, you'd be wanting stuff like broadside and and riptides in there. But again, they they cost money, <laughs> so you know, mm. obviously economically, yeah. it's uh, but okay. You know, stealth I mean, suits are cool. You know, yeah, again, yeah, and such like. Yeah, for me, for me, this box as as someone who doesn't play Tau, I don't know how how good any of these things are except the Cold Star Commander which I'm pretty sure is decent. Um but like that box is everything that has always exemplified Tau to me. You got Fire Warriors, stealth suits, crisis suits and a big floaty vehicle. Yeah. And that yeah. feels like the entire Tau range sort of boiled down into the most basic units, so I actually kind of like this one as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
it's probably not any good, but who knows? <laughs> no, again, from my knowledge of the competitive side, I, I don't think it's that strong. Because, again, you've got a commander, mm. which is really cool. Um, stealth suits are always a bit hit and miss, from my understanding. A devil fish They're is really okay. Good in kill team. Uh, sorry? <laughs> stealth suits are great in kill team, but I don't think uh, you this entire box for kill team. <laughs> no, exactly. No, exactly. It's, it, again, it's, you know, it, it, it you know, it, if you were chasing the meta, you probably wouldn't want this box. But get like like we said, mm. that's not always the thing for everyone. People just want yeah. cool models. They want narrative stuff. They want thematic stuff. And like you just said, I think if you want the thematic side, then yeah, this uh, this is a real good summary of the Tau. So no, again, I think they're really mm. cool. Um, they tend, I'm presuming. Well, I, I don't know if we've had the exact prices out there, but I mean, I'm presuming they're going to be. They're usually about hundred pounds over here, you know. And again, they're always yeah. a good saving. And again, if you get them from an indie store, they'll be even cheaper, you know. So, oh, yeah. so yeah. no, I think you know if you like any, want to start any of their armies, I don't. I think you could do a lot worse. <laughs> mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so at the same time, they announced two new start collecting boxes as well. Yeah. One for Chaos Space Marines and one for Vanguard. Which obviously these two boxes have primarily taken off. Obviously, Shadow Spear that came out earlier mm. this year, which obviously has now been discontinued. Uh, again, I, I I think they're both cool, really, to be honest. I think the Vanguard oh, yeah. is a good one particularly because I think that for some people, obviously, Vanguard is very appealing and wants something that's a bit different to just boxes of intercessors. Mm. Um, you know, and you're getting some, you know, some of the cool units that are, you know, showing, you know, doing well on the tabletop, like Eliminators, you know, mm. and things like that. So, mm. Again, it's a nice, you know, solid unit. Oh, sorry, solid box. I mean, ultimately, yeah. you're not necessarily, you know, for people that haven't seen these, you're not getting literally the full half of Shadow Spear, you know, at the end of the day in these both no. boxes. You're just getting probably, you know, 80% of, you know, those yeah. things, you know, so, I think, like, you know, but I think they're both I think good. The, yeah, I think for the Chaos Space Marines, you might actually be getting everything. Um, Maybe. Because it's... Um, it's Ten Marines, a Venom Crawler, two mm. Obliterators, and a Master of Possession. Yeah, maybe I... Um, I think it's just a couple of the extra leaders for the Vanguard that have been yeah. pulled out. I think, was there a Chaos Lord with Shadow Spear, There maybe? was not. No. no. Okay, no, you could be there right then. literally mate. on the Master of Possessions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. But I think, it's nice well, we're finally getting these yeah. <laughs> overall. Yeah, definitely. I think with the Vanguard, we're missing the Vanguard Librarian and the mm. Captain. Yeah, um, so it's just I don't think we, but yeah, but I don't think there was. That's it from memory. It was a captain and a librarian, but not a lieutenant. So basically, they've swapped the lieutenant in okay. for probably the captain, and you just don't have yeah. the yeah. librarian. But no, again, mm. I think if you you know for if you missed Shadow Sphere, then you know okay, it doesn't necessarily make up for it, but it almost <laughs> does. <laughs> so yeah. you know, it's, so it's got it's, the good stuff in it. Yeah, um, definitely. And actually, I think. Because I remember hearing someone talk about this, the um the infiltrators multi part kit. I don't know if it actually has the parts to build the helix adept, which is the like apothecary apprentice guy. Mm. But he is in the monopo stuff that is in this box. Yes. So yeah, yeah, I think you're. I think you're right on that. I think I read the same. That yeah, the multi one doesn't have the helix adept. Whereas, like I said, so. If you get this box, then yes, you will get. You'll definitely be able to build him. Um, well, you can see him mm. on the uh, on the front cover. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. That's cool. And yeah. yeah there's other sound. stuff like there's unique poses, like there's people aiming pistols and rolling grenades and stuff that mm. aren't available in the multi-pose, which is nice. But yeah, I, I, I reckon just for more variety, honestly, mm. if you don't yeah. have them and you want them, go get yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. And again, it's it's nice now for, especially for Chaos Space Marine players where, again, you know, if you didn't buy Shadow Spear and say you didn't buy the uh, apocalypse box because again that was a bit mm. a bit funny because obviously it was <laughs> a lot of marines this is again a nice mm. way to you know to kick off your collection so no i think good yeah. i'm really pleased for those uh right okay what's next psychic awakening faith and fury um so mm. again they've shown off obviously a bit more of this now um obviously it's definitely on the horizon um, I don't suppose they've. I mean, have you read? Sorry, have you watched that latest trailer that came out? Yeah, yeah. Where they're all arguing about what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I actually yeah. really liked that because it gave a lot of like little details. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we got to protect this system because there's this important religious figure here, and you know, all these chaos legions are attacking, and here's the defenders. You got the Imperial Guard, you got the Sisters of Battle, and you got the quote unquote Sons of Nocturne, which presumably means Salamanders. But mm-hmm. it could mean like an official Salamander's successor, which would be interesting. Yeah. See if they would. bring that into the light in this book, but you never know. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward for it, to it mostly because it's like five or six Chaos Legions getting updates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, nice. I, lo- I love the artwork on the book. It looks really good. Um, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's on the horizon. I'm presuming we'll see it next month, I imagine. Yeah. Um, again, I've not checked that spreadsheet, but <laughs> which is now going to be the go-to. You never know. <laughs> Could be this weekend for all we know. Yeah, very much so. But yeah, <laughs> no, it looks really good. Really, And it's, and it, I mean, it's nice that they're not hanging around with them. Obviously, you know, mm. we obviously had the mm. first Psychic Awakening not that long ago. I mean, I suppose you could argue maybe is it a bit too quick, but I think it's a nice pace, you know, having a few months between them. Because obviously there's yeah. going to be quite a few of them. So it's nice that yeah. they're not like six months apart and you're waiting for the next one. Yeah, so exactly. I think that's really good. Uh, right. Uh, well, uh, appropriately, obviously Sisters of Battle are part of that, as we know. And obviously they've had mm-hmm. more reveals. Obviously their vehicles have been shown off. Uh, the Exorcist and uh, what's the other one called? <laughs> the Immolator? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Man. Um, these look good. <laughs> Everybody gangster till the church starts driving. Um. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> they look awesome. I mean, they're so damn detailed as well. There's mm. just so much going on. I mean, which is, I yeah. think is very appropriate. And yeah, mm. I mean, that, it, again, I think we've said this before, but doesn't that just epitomize 40K in an image? If you had yeah, to say it, it really does. It's, it's just um, crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and it's actually really nice because um, I remember it was Kirioth talking about this back when the Sisters Battle Rhino was previewed, that he was disappointed they were normal rhinos and not the Deimos patterns with the mm-hmm. circular doors and stuff. These kits have those circular doors, so if you want to build do. Deimos pattern rhinos for Sisters Battle, go crack open these and it'll have a ton of bits left over to build really cool emplacements or something like that. Mm. Um, and the other thing is, one of the head options for the gunner is a helmet that looks like a stained glass, like super tall window, and it looks so nuts and dumb. <laughs> and it's actually based off a John Blanche painting. Oh, really? Awesome. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Oh, oh lovely. Uh, apparently, it's apparently it's on one of the playing cards they just released. Actually, I think oh. the um, the Dark okay. Millennium cards. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's good that they're going all out with the sisters. To be honest, I mean, mm. oh, yeah. whether we'll. 
whether we'll see this day one, I don't know. Because I suppose the Sisters release is a bit of a funny one. Because obviously we know the army set is on the horizon. Obviously it's probably mm. going to be out. Well, I'm assuming it's going to go up for pre-order in about a couple of weeks' time. Um, and cause, yeah. cause obviously the, the prices have now come out, haven't they, for that, which is, I think, over mm-hmm. here, it's £125, which yeah. I think is pretty reasonable, actually. I know some people may disagree mm-hmm. with that, but, you know, I was sort of having I mean, a, conversa- a conversation the other day about it because, uh, you know, the yeah. way I look at it is it is basically a battle force. You know, can, if you look mm. at some of the other, you know, the ones we've just been talking about and they go for about £100 and it's got a limited edition codex in it, which is £25. Mm. So, yeah, exactly. you know, I think it's a not bad ballpark figure, to be honest. Wait, your limited edition codexes are £25? How much are your normal codexes? Well, well, sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, sorry, I meant a normal code. Yeah, sorry, no, a limited edition one is £50 over here. Okay, um, yeah, I was um, going to say, I thought I was going <laughs> to freak out over how much we pay for limited edition codexes over here for a second. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not getting... I know you get screwed over there price-wise, but not, <laughs> not, that, not that much. No. Not that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant, sorry, I meant a codex is £25, so, you know, so yeah, fundamentally... Yeah. You know, fundamentally, I th- I think it's a pretty good deal for 125. I know, obviously, mm. a lot of it is mo- you know monopose, which you know and you know will you know be good for some people, not so much for others. But yeah, I think that's a really really good price. But it'd be interesting mm. to see how quickly we see the sisters stuff after that. You know, are we going to get yeah. the army set in a couple of weeks? Obviously, late November, early December, and then maybe in January they start releasing you know, separate stuff for them, you know, because they haven't really said, yeah. oh, it's all going to come in once. All they've said mm. is the army set is coming out, you know, in November. So, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, let's talk about heretics. Let's talk <clears throat> about uh, chaos. Sorcerer was also revealed mm-hmm. at the same time. This is all obviously from uh, blood and glory. And yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I, I must admit, I do like this chaos. Sorcerer. He's very, He's a nice sort of balance of old and new school, I think, really. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. got the... And I think he was one of the rumour engines, wasn't he? I think his, his yeah. um, backpack... He's been, been rumoured for absolutely ages, <clears throat> actually. And it feels really weird that he wasn't released with the Chaos Codex 2.0. And I mm. guess the idea is that for Psychic Awakening, they want to at least feel like they can release something for both sides. <laughs> yeah. And so, so they yeah. held him back. They held him back like the extra four months... Yeah, to make sure there was at least a new chaos thing besides just rules upgrade updates. But I mean, like, you could have just you could have just released them all the way back then. No, I don't <laughs> yeah, think anyone one would be too mad <laughs> if they yeah. only got cool new rules. Yeah, no, I agree uh, with that. But he's 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 cool. He's a cool model. Oh, yeah. I must admit, he look he looks the business. He and I imagine there's a lot of uh, conversion opportunities oh, with him yeah. as well. Um, be interesting to see if he get comes with a an alternative helmet as well because he's bareheaded so mm. i don't know uh but yeah and so i imagine we'll see him as it like you just said as part of the, the nexus like psych, uh, psychic awakening release so that's all mm. cool uh right the last bit of 40k is well again this was slightly sport for us obviously if you'd seen that leaked <laughs> spreadsheet again yeah um obviously you would have seen that the lord of death uh mephiston was listed on there i mean you could argue mm-hmm. maybe it was a new book but no, he's definitely yeah. getting a new model, <laughs> mm. as the as the, uh, the sort of tease trailer showed at, at, uh, yeah. at Blood and Glory. Um, what's your thoughts? Uh, Games Workshop needs to stop uh, being coy and 
teasing us, um, <laughs> honestly. Like, just, I, I love these little snippets sometimes, but it's like, they're always like, but who could this be? And we're like, we know you know who it is. You know we know who it is. Just say, Here, here's a snippet. We're not ready to show you the full thing yet because we have a formula to how we hype you up. You'll see the full thing in three weeks time from now here's some here's some random flashes of armor panels there you go <laughs> yeah. like that would be fine yeah uh, don't don't give me this oh who could possibly be quote-unquote the lord of death quote-unquote as if there's not one character in 40k who's been very specifically called that for 20 years <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but from from the flashes of armor panels looks cool i, yeah. I want to see the thing as a whole um, I would be I would be suitably amused if it was his current model just scaled up forty percent and mm-hmm. printed in like a three D printer. But I feel it's going to be very dynamic and cool, yeah. and not not a slapstick job because obviously they don't do that at Games Workshop. Um, <laughs> it's not a rib; they honestly don't. Um, I was going to say, I wonder if the the choice of Mephiston over Dante could have a bit more to it because obviously. You know, you know, for a lot of people, Dante would have been the obvious choice to get. Oh yeah, a Primaris upgrade and obviously, you know, an updated model, and obviously they've gone for mm. Mephiston instead. Which, you know, I suppose with your your logical hat on, it would be because it's Psychic Awakening. You know, he's one of the most mm. powerful psychers around. Yeah, and that's appropriate. But I'm wondering, knowing, I mean, it depends if you've ever seen it. Have you seen the third party? Uh, Mephiston that's out there, which I yes, can't remember. The, it's very cool. Yeah, he looks amazing. I can't remember which company that makes it. And some wh- folks who, out in Poland, I think it is. <laughs> yes, and you know, if you're familiar with your, you know, th- again your third party designers mm. uh, who obviously do a lot of stuff in resin, where you know, let's be honest, they make models who are clearly based on certain characters, but are not, you know, for, yeah. uh, you know, for obviously trademark reasons and such like, you know, if you, if you said, if you go check it out, the Mephiston out there looks amazing. He looks absolutely mm. amazing. So I'm wondering, you know, did that form part of it? You know, do they think, yeah. you know, from a, you know, from a, a trademark point of view, knowing that a mm. lot of people want Mephiston, they may go and buy a third party miniature, which obviously GW don't mm. want them to do that. You know, is it yeah. right? Okay. We better update our version of him. So, you you know stick with you know the GW version. I don't mm, know. That mm. could be or uh, or they've secretly pulled a fast one on us. And this new version of Mephiston went through the Primaris project to power up, and then they couldn't control the Red Thirst, and he ate, killed, and ate Dante after his ascension <laughs> to Primaris, and that's why we don't have a new Dante. And this is the beginning of the Blood Angel's descent into a traitor legion. <laughs> Hear me out here, blood for the blood god. <laughs> We could have maybe with blood adornments for the skull throne. <laughs> <laughs> we may have sort of enveloped Dante's soul, so he's now called, mm. you know, Dante Mephiston or <laughs> Defiston. <laughs> Mante. <laughs> Mante. <laughs> yes, I'm the Lord of Death and the was it the Imperial? What's the, what's the Imperial, the Imperial Nihilist? Of, yeah, of, yeah. God, <laughs> who knows well, if they could go <laughs> yeah they could go balls to the wall crazy with this one we'll never find out until <laughs> we find out that it's just he went through and gotten biggened um I, <laughs> yeah. I, I hope they do something more interesting with it eventually because like i've liked them pulling out like old barely mentioned characters out of the woodworks for like the imperial fists and stuff like that mm-hmm. 
but I want I want something more interesting to happen with the Primaris project than just here's a cool new mini. Here's a cool new mini. Super nice. I'm loving it. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But here's a cool new mini and yada 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 is much better than just here's a cool new mini. <laughs> yeah. Like give give us something to something to chew on, ironically. Yeah, something, ta- um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something tasty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. Right, okay, so that's 40k. Let's move over to AOS. Um, and, mm-hmm. well, if you allude what uh, Cameron alluded to in the hobby section, where obviously he's buying the uh, the Soul Reaper for the, uh, yes. the Bone Reapers, obviously the pretty much the remainder of their stuff is now out. So, mm. um, yeah. It's quite, it's quite amazing actually how quickly they've got this stuff out. Because obviously, like we saw with the Eisenhower Deepkin, where obviously mm. they're, you know, it's a brand new army from scratch, and obviously their units were staggered over what, about at least three or four weeks, weren't they? Whereas, like yeah. I said, with the Bone Reapers, they're out, aren't they? <laughs> like, here you go, yeah. they're all there for you. <laughs> and off, off the top of my head, it's nine brand new kits. Mm. that have been put out on shelves today, which yeah. on its own is crazy. Um, also, they're selling Wartech Garden boxes of 20, not 10, which is yeah. awesome, yeah. especially for the price. Like, they are priced mm. the same as a normal 10-man box of Marines, effectively. Mm. Uh, think about that. Maybe a little more expensive, but, like, if you if you want a big blob of Mortec Guard, it's actually not super unaffordable. Um, no. <laughs> no, exactly. And I suppose just, the, the good thing is you could buy good. a box and break it down anyway. Like, in the sense, you could mm. have two units of 10 for, you know, if yeah, you want exactly. battle line purposes. Mm. Yeah, or for more command points. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the, the unit leaders generate, well, have a chance, I should say, to generate discipline points, which we'll mm-hmm. get into. Uh, next 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 episode yeah. when we start talking about the actual bone <laughs> reaper stuff, but yeah, that, it's it's kind of interesting to compare this to like a year and a half ago when I Net Deep King came out and mm-hmm. they went, okay, this week here's your one kit, and next week here's two heroes, and the week <laughs> yeah, after yeah. here's another kit, and it just went on for like four or five weeks where they had nothing but one or two Idnet releases every every week. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it, mm. It's now, now that I think they've obviously learned from that. There's people, especially, they know that people want to jump on them, especially competitively. They want all mm. the units available. You know, it's, you know, the people aren't going to want to wait, you know, another three weeks to get certain units. They want them now yeah. so they can, you know, start smashing through building and you know getting them on the tabletop, so no, I think it's really good. It's good that they do. They've done it in this way. It's all out there. Very exciting. So mm, yeah. yeah, get on your bone reapers. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, next is they have released uh, a bit more terrain for the AOS side, which is the Hallowed Storm Throne and the Penumbral uh, Storm, Storm Vault. Uh, they're from. Mm. Are they they're connected to Forbidden Power? Aren't they? From memory. Yeah. Yeah, they are more bits of terrain from that, essentially. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. you know, just wasn't initially released along with all the rest of the stuff. I think we yeah. saw a few images of them, but they just never ended up getting put out, which I don't know if it was a production issue or if they were just, we need to fill in some terrain later in the year, so whatever. Um, I know the, the, the Storm Vault-related terrain always looks really cool to me. Um, I will eventually get some. Yeah. That's all I have to say on these. <laughs> yeah, they're... <laughs> Like I, I agree. They always look cool, you know, and they always look like they could be quite mm. inspiring. And yeah, I mean, if you want a train that's cool, 
get on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, okay, so let's move on to the AOS Battle Forces, because obviously we've covered the uh, 40k one, so there's yep. uh, four for the AOS, which you know, tends to happen, obviously 40k tends to get a few more. So, uh, right, mm. so the first one is the Stormcast Eternals one, as expected, yep. you'd always be one of those. Uh, the Exorcism Soul Strike, I think this is a really good box, to be honest. Uh, um, yo, we heard you like Evocators. <laughs> <laughs> so there let's are, give you all of them <laughs> there are 11 evocators in this box six of which are on dracolines which is really yep. awesome actually that you're getting two full boxes of the mounted ones which i think are some of the best models in the stormcast range yeah um yeah and then you're getting 10 sequitors and a lord exorcist and not to be a cynic but the lord exorcist isn't there because no one has bought one yeah no i i i <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. That's that's the only real meh part, part you know, part of this box really mm. is that is, like I said, is the Lord Exorcist because, like I said, he's a bit of a situational unit, and like I said, yeah. there's just better units that you could take over him. But like I said, ninety five percent though, he, he does. Also, yeah, the rest of the box is fine. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, like I said, I mean, well, I think we've uh, convinced Stephen, haven't we, on our discourse to, mm. to, <laughs> to buy this because it fits nicely because he's got a lot of the older type of storm yeah, exactly. you know, the pre uh sacrosanct stuff so again if you haven't got the more recent stormcast stuff this is actually a very very good box so Ooh, yes I, yeah. I imagine that will fly off um right <laughs> next is the night haunt one which is the court of the craven king uh which comes with lots mm. of models all 46 of them yeah it does and Jesus. so what's your what's your thoughts on this one uh, this is very cool, and it's actually really good for fleshing out a Nighthawk force, compared to, like, a lot of the other battle forces aren't always so good for people who want to just get more stuff. Like, they're good for people who want to start, maybe. But this mm-hmm. one is, hey, we heard you liked units larger than the minimum size. <laughs> um, so we've put in basically one of everything you want in units greater than minimum. Like, you've mm-hmm. got... 10 Chain Rasps, 10 Grimgast Reapers, which you're going to want. 5 Hex Wraiths, which are nice. Um, if you've already got Hex Wraiths, just bump those units up, do more Mortal Wounds. Uh, 10 Dreadscythe Haridans, um, which I don't know if people are using them a bunch, but they're cool. And they're not too bad in big groups, and you can build for bravery debuff like battalions with them, which is nice. Mm-hmm. 10 Blade yeah. Geist Reverends, which are awesome. And one of the best character models in the range is Kurdos Valentian the Crave King. So here he is. Yeah, it's it's a good box. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think yeah. it's and it's nice. It's just a, it's a nice lot of plastic. <laughs> it's, oh so yeah, a lot it, of... it is big. Yeah, it is actually bigger than the Skaven box, which yeah. is ironic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, talking of the Skaven box, which is the Corrupted mm. War Swarm, and it's got only forty five in that one. <laughs> mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, again, you know, it's obviously this is a obviously a very ca- uh, clan pestilence. Focus one, obviously, you know, like Plague Monks. You've got the, was it the Vermin Lord Corrupter, who is yeah. a gorgeous Although model. That, is, that should be the full Vermin Lord kit, so technically it's any Vermin Lord you want. Yes, but, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, again, a nice mix of, you know, again, for, for Skaven, which obviously is, a, you know, predominantly a Horde army. Uh, you're mm. getting quite a few models there, in there, getting some of the bigger stuff. I, um, yeah. um, I think, I think, weren't people saying, though, it's a bit like the start collecting box with just a, bit added on to it or something i I was reading it's effectively a pestilence start collecting box plus a um a a catapult and the grace here and the clan rats Mm. i believe Mm. 
Yeah. But yeah. it's not necessarily a bad thing. No. Gracie is that. cool. Catapult's really good against hordes. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's not, it's not bad. <laughs> no, no, I'd agree with that. Uh, and the last one is the Gloom Spike Gits one, which is the Cave Shroom mm-hmm. Loons one. Now, this is an interesting yeah. one because this has been quite polarizing <laughs> for people because obviously yeah. <laughs> it's one of those boxes where people are looking at it if you're into obviously collecting gits and especially mm. if you were trying to kick off an army with them, it's a bit of a funny one because mo- they don't yeah. really gel with each other, do they? No. Um, so you have a loon boss who can't buff any of the units in the box. Uh, you have a unit of fanatics who can't hide in any of the units in the box. <laughs> um, then you got 10 squig hoppers, a mangler squig and three trolls, which honestly don't are not too bad together. Mm-hmm. They're fine. But yeah. like, Again, again, this is one that I feel is not actually bad for, like, fleshing out a Gloom Spike Gits army if you're mm-hmm. doing, like, a bit yeah. of everything style army with just a ton of grots. You, say you've already got 120 regular Moon Clan grots, and you say, I want some I want some fast objective grabbers. Here, you've got 10 squigs. I want a big heavy hitter. Here, you've got a mangler squig. I want some charger turret. Here's the fanatics. I want a buff for my 60-man unit with spears. Here's the loom boss. And I want something tough that won't die. Here's three trolls. Mm-hmm. It's good for fleshing out. It's definitely not good for starting because it's basically <laughs> unplayable. Um, yeah. Like half the stuff will do nothing um, <laughs> if, yeah, if you build a list with that. So, mm. <laughs> I think, like I said, it just it just highlights what was said earlier where, like I said, not these battle forces aren't always about kicking off an army. Like I said, they, you know, I think, mm. you know, it's, it's easy to get into that mindset of like, right, be like start a collecting box where, Right, yes, this is literally to kick off an army, whereas, as I said, the Battle Forces, yes, arguably some of these, you know, are very much for, you know, again, you could argue the Stormcast one is quite appropriate for kicking one off if you want, like I said, a uh, sort of a sacrosanct-heavy army, but, mm. like I said, with the, the Gleam Spike Gits one, it's, you know, like I said, it is for bulking out a collection more appropriate, because, you know, and again, that's not a bad yeah. thing, because, again, you know, these are units you're probably going to want to take, and you know it's a saving as well so you know don't mm. oh, uh, you know don't dismiss them is what i would say yeah so yeah. yeah but they're all they're all you know all good in their own different ways so yeah, yeah. so they're again Absolutely. they're on the horizon uh right talking stuff on the horizon which is what cameron was talking about earlier let's talk about slaves of darkness so <laughs> like i said they caught us out obviously we saw in that leak spreadsheet we saw yeah there's a battle time there's going to be a start collecting box you know like, oh okay no worries, you know, be chilled about it. And then <laughs> they revealed that oh, the start boy. collecting box is all the new models that, well, as far as we know, that they're going to show yeah. off. So we've got new Chaos Warriors, we've got new Chaos Knights, and we've got a new Chaos Lord. And, I'm oh, boy, out. they are gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, all of God. them. They look great. God, they're so good. <laughs> I think the thing that I really, really like about the Chaos Warriors in particular is mm. I feel... If you already have a bunch of the classic Chaos Warriors, you can either use these as, like, elite chosens, use them as the unit leaders, or just mix them 50-50, and they will probably look perfectly fine. Yeah, totally They, they adjust the old stuff slightly extra with a bit more detail and a bit more dyna- dynamic posing. That's literally mm-hmm. all they are. They've not mm-hmm. changed any core design concept. No. And I think that's the right mm. thing for them to have done as well. It's like it's like when we were talking about mm. the Sisters of Battle, where they're that nice mix of and and howling banshees and things like that, where they they're clearly the old 
you know, the, inspired by the older models, just with a fresher, mm. more dynamic pose. They're now plastic, blah, 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 depending on obviously what models you're talking about. And like I said, yeah. these are taking the same approach where, like I said, it'd be interesting when we do see them, you know, when physically see them up mm. against the older ones. Because like you, I agree. I think they won't look dramatically different when you put them and, yeah. you know, mix them all together. Again, very appropriate. You know, the Slaves to Darkness, Chaos Warriors, you know, they are going to be a hodgepodge of different, you know, bits of armor and, you know, they're not all mm. going to look the same anyway. And yeah. yeah, they just, they all look great. I think this is absolutely fantastic. And, and what's mm. the beauty of this, as we know, the slaves to darkness is they can, you know, be put into any chaos force. So anyone that's, you know, yeah, has exactly. any of the four God chaos, God armies, these can easily yeah. be, you know, be chucked in at any point. Yeah. depending on. So it looks great. Chaos Knights again, you know, same, same approach, you know, to me, the, the old Chaos Knights look, still look good, you know, like I said. Oh, yeah. Uh, but these yeah. just, again, they're just that little bit, you know, upper level where it's just, looks a little bit mm. nicer, a bit more dynamic, obviously, you yeah. know, the way the kit works. Uh, it's quite appropriate, actually, because when, you know, with that visit I'm doing to Warhammer World next weekend, I was toying mm. buying some Chaos Knights for, oh. uh, for my Nurgle stuff, you know, just because I thought, mm. you know, for, for a bit of, um, you know, a bit of mobility really than anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I'm holding that off. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> going to be buying them because wait I hope to wait, yeah. wait for the new ones. So yeah, they look mm. yeah, gorgeous, but I really, really like them just because they, they look much nicer than the current chaos Knights, which do look really cool. You got to say, uh, I got to say, um, but they, these new ones actually look a lot like the very old chaos Knights specifically mm-hmm. with like the steeds heads their design is 100% like the old like late 90s yeah uh yeah. tiny metal dudes on plastic bretonian horses chaos knights and they are <laughs> they are super cool they're giving me nostalgia for a thing that i own one of um <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah they look they look fantastic and like i said the the chaos mm. lord on a on a on a mount do we know what creature that is like a, we like have li- no clue. They've not said a damn thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he, again, looks fantastic. I love the pose. I love the fact mm. that he comes with an alternative helmet as well, uh, which I yep. think is shown off in one of the other photos. Like I said the lizard mount uh, you know, creature he's on. I love the armor on, on the creature mm. as well. It just, yeah, yeah just looks awesome. <laughs> the whole kit. I mean, this, to oh, me, yeah. aesthetically, this is one of the best starting start collecting yeah. boxes I think there is. It oh, yeah. absolutely fantastic. I can't really fault any of it, mm. to be honest. It's yeah. just oh, yeah. a lovely... And also, it's just not a nice collection, you know, in the sense mm. that, that, you know, when you buy this box, that's just a great thing. You're getting, you know, 10 Chaos Warriors, 5 Knights, and the Chaos Lord on, on his new yeah. mount. You know, it's just nice. That's, that's just a really that's good... That's going to be solid no matter what. No yeah, matter how I... they update the rules, that's going to be nice. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> So no, I, I'm really, really impressed with that start collecting box. And I, again, I, I think, you know, looking at the rumors, I think 14th of December, I think that looks to mm. be around the date that we'll probably yeah. see it out. So just before Christmas, Merry Christmas cool. to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's get stuck into all the other news. Cause again, there's still quite a lot of that as well. Yeah. So it keeps going. <laughs> it does. Right. So we've got the red painting handle, uh, and multi-pack of painting handles. So they've done a red mm-hmm. one. I think people question why, because, well, why not? I think it's yeah, the answer. Why not? why not have a red? <laughs> Listen, handle. the, the answer is because, 
you can charge $2.50 more for it. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think they justified it by sort of saying that, well, you could buy one and use it for the, you know, the special model you're working on and obviously use mm. the, the normal black ones for uh, for the other stuff you're working on. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's just another coloured handle, yeah. to be honest. So, and, they, and like I said, they've done a multi-pack of five, you know, of the mm-hmm. five normal black yeah. ones. Start uh, collecting we, painting handles. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love that. That was great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean I, I've mean, i got a painting handle. I find it quite useful. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Again, it's just more, more stuff, really. Uh, mm. Then next is the spray stick, which is obviously what I said earlier, which is what I bought myself. So, again, mm-hmm. I think some people were a bit, dismissive of it because again well i've got a bit of wood with double-sided tape or blue tack <laughs> well that's fine yeah. carry on using it like i said it's not mm-hmm. it's just an optional tool really and i'm not surprised they've done this to be honest and again mm-hmm. i think once i've used it i'll have a better opinion of it but i yeah again i don't think it's a bad thing it's pretty reasonably priced over you know well it's over here anyway so mm-hmm. i don't think it's horrendous so um yeah 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 Find it may find it useful. Uh, right, we got the pot holder. Uh, I almost mm-hmm. bought one of those yesterday, and I thought, <laughs> no, nah, I'm not that bad. <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah again, <laughs> you know, it's a thing that I'm not. I'm surprised they've not done before because obviously people knock over paint mm. pots, especially like non oil and, and such like. Oh and, god, yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it can hold three three different pots. Um, you know, it's, it's made of rubber. It's just a you know easier way of not being able to mm. knock it over again i don't again i don't think it's a bad thing it's a, again a purely optional tool at the end of the day i think it's about mm. four or five quid over here you know yeah you either yeah. get one or you don't <laughs> <laughs> uh right so what's next white dwarf apocalypta um apocrypha. yeah apocrypha um yeah, I, I saw it actually. Yes, again in the local store. Um, so this mm. is actually a collect stuff from our articles from older white dwarfs, isn't it? Because we were because mm. we were sort of suspecting this was going to be basically what we said before, where they basically amalgamate all the the rules from all the white dwarfs, like for AOS and forty k yeah. and stuff. But it's it not. It's not. It's not that no. at all, is it? <laughs> <laughs> they got us um, good. Um, yeah, I mean, so, it looks interesting. It's got a big range of stuff. Like, I had a look at the uh, the back cover, and it has stuff from, like, the beginning of White Dwarf to as recent as behind-the-scenes design stuff for Ideneth Deepkin. Yeah. So, like, it, it's covering a big range of stuff. Um, it does have a great picture of Grom Brindal on the front, which I'm a big fan of. That's a classic piece <laughs> of art. Um, I, don't, I might pick one up, just because, like, all the older hobby stuff is always kind of fascinating to me. Because it's an era that I kind of missed out on uh, the pre two thousands side of the hobby, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure there's some really good stuff buried deep in there as well. I always love when um, the White Dwarf has the uh, has like the little extra article with the, where they reprint a super old White Dwarf article. Yeah, yeah. They do that every now and again. Yeah, I, I dig that. So I might pick one of these up eventually. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, it's a cool little thing to have. Like, like you said, I'll probably pick it up when. I'm in the mood too. It's a nice, it'd be a nice little collector's thing. Um, I'm whether it's going to be a regular thing, don't know. Possibly, mm. you know, it's something they may do every year or so, and just sort of do more of the back catalogue. But uh, no, cool. 
Uh, right, next is Novella Series 2. Obviously, we were a big fan of the first <laughs> series. We've obviously covered quite a few of yep. them on this show. Mm-hmm. And like I said, number two is now out, and I must buy it, actually. Um, yeah. And yeah. again, it's, it's, a, it's a nice mix. So looking at it, you get uh, five 40K novels, three AOS ones, a Necromunda one, and a horror one. So a nice little mix mm. there. It'd be nice to, I said, it's nice it's got a horror one in there as well, just to make it a bit different. Uh, yeah. You know, again, hopefully, I, you know, this will be as good as the first one. And and let's be honest, we're probably going to cover some of these books on the show because mm. oh, they're yeah. perfe- at least they're one perfect. Or two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and again, they're very, you know, again, they're very reasonably priced. So, again, mm. I think if you miss the first ones, uh, I mean, you still get them on ebook, but physically they yeah. stop selling them. So, again, I would, you know, I think. Because there's always the the danger may they may do that again. I you know if you want the physical yeah. copy, I would you know you know think about getting them soonish mm. before before that Absolutely. becomes a reality as well. So no, looking really mm. looking forward to those. I'm really excited. Yeah, about those. As I'm, well. I'm really looking forward to the idea that this is going to be like a yearly thing. Because like I believe it was around the same time last year that the first novella series came out. Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Because I know I got a few for Christmas last year. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So if if this is just a thing that happens once a year, we get a series of ten fantastic little novellas like this. I'm really into this. It's gonna yeah. be great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then we jump to the Horus Heresy. Hey, did you know that the, the Ultramarines didn't actually have their own Contemptor? Because I didn't know. I thought they had one. <laughs> well, I think I think what's what's happened with that is that that pe- people see the the, the default Contemptor, mm. which is like the relic Contemptor you can get, and because the way it looks, it looks like it would be the Ultramarines one. So I think yeah. just naturally yeah. people, you know, because obviously if you're into Ultramarines in Heresy. You, that would be the one you would get because it's the most yeah. neutral one. I think mm. that's just what's happened. And then, like you, mm. I didn't realise they didn't have Contemptor, <laughs> you know, and because, like I said, pretty much every other Legion at this point has, and it's like, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise that. Well, they uh, do now. they've got one now. It looks nice. I'm sure Ultramarines players, uh, which is like 60% of the player base, very happy. So, uh, yeah. good for them. Yeah, it looks yeah. it looks nice. I'm not. I don't want to rag on it. It's a very nice contemptor. Contemptors are the best <laughs> dreadnought. Um, uh, Warcry. We get. We got to look at some more monsters to go along with the Formeroid Crusher. We have the Mind Stealer Spheranx, which is mm-hmm. the longest. Which is the longest kitty cat, and I love it. <laughs> um, and we have a we have a new Demon Prince model, which they've mistakenly yep. labeled as the Ogroid Myrmidon. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't that, know what that yeah. that's about, but. Everything I've seen about that is just people going, oh, it's a new Demon Prince because I'm going <laughs> yeah. to turn this into a Demon Prince. No one's going to yeah. use this as, as intended. Yeah. Um, but these are actually really interesting because they are expanding the universe again. Like, this, my Silas Spheranx doesn't feel very weighty. It just looks like a cool chaos semi-sentient creature because, like, someone did its hair uh, and it allowed someone to do its hair. So it must know <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> Because uh, it's got, like, braids and everything in its fur. Um, but then with the Ogroid Myrmidon, this is now the second Ogroid model next to the Thaumaturg. And mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, the lore for the Thaumaturg is we don't know what this is. It just shows up and kills everything with magic occasionally. <laughs> yeah. um, and because it, it's not an Ogor. It is very specifically not an Ogor. Mm. Uh, and now we have a second one roaming around, and they both look friggin' awesome. 
Yeah. Like, there, there is so much room for this. Like, Demon Prince conversion. Doom Ball would be a pretty good one to do with that. Just stick a cow face on it, because they've got the big cloven hooves. Like, or... Just run it as the Ogroid Myrmidon, which I'm sure will have kick-ass rules as well. Yeah. Um, God, it looks so cool. I love it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wondering if they're using the specialist games to get these sort of these creatures and races out there that they mm. that may not ever see the light of day from a full release or full army release, but you know, similar to what we saw with the Kenothi in in uh, Underworlds, where they may yeah. not be a thing that like that may be the most we ever see, or we may see a random model in the future, mm. but you know, realistically, they're not going to be in faction. And it's the same here, yeah. where, like where in Warcry, they think you know what these are cool creatures. Where like I said, they may not have a, like I said a place anywhere else, but. They're cool, mm. and here you go. Yeah, and yeah, I go. think that's. What, I, that's <laughs> I think the specialist games are perfect for that. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I doubt yeah. we'll ever see like battle tome ogroids, but yeah. <laughs> we might see we might see like three or four more of these released over the next few years as yeah. like Warcry or Underworlds or whatever expansions yeah. because it's a cool concept because it's just a big mutated ogre-like creature, but not necessarily actually an ogre. Which again. Mm. Who knows? Or or it could be leading up to Battle Tome Chaos Ogres. Who knows? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a strange world we live in. <laughs> yeah, or we could have we could see Monsters of Chaos as a Battle Tome as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, be nice. Who knows? But like I said, maybe mm. that maybe again, this is just them testing the water, so to speak, as mm. well. See how see what people's reaction is. To, I mean, like I said, that Mind Stealer is really bizarre. Like it's all it's all oh. like it feels very out of place, but. I still really like it. I There's love something it. about it. I love like, it's such a good model. The, actually, and, someone on Reddit put a photo of it next to a photo of his cat, and I was stunned because his cat <laughs> is a mind stealer's firing. Uh, I just, I love cats, and this yep. is very clearly a big chaos cat, which <laughs> yeah. I love, just like <laughs> the uh, the rock tusk prowler for Warcry. So I, I support more cats in Warhammer. Mm. Do it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Cool. Right. Um, what we got next? We got Necromunda. Uh, obviously, the new mm-hmm. box set is now up for pre-order as of yesterday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Dark Uprising. Yep. Um, all 175 pounds of it over it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 what's it like over your end? <laughs> That's 490 bucks. Whoa. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the the thing about the Australia tax because it's not just Games Workshop that does it, but the thing about it is a lot of the time it's not super noticeable because you're not working from a large number. But when you start with 175 pounds mm. and then transfer to AUD and then go oh plus 50 percent, suddenly that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I will not be getting this despite every bone in my body going Necromunda's an awesome system, and these are the two <laughs> best things in Necromunda. Um, yeah. And the thing is, like, I understand why it is an expensive box, because mm. it has a lot of terrain in it, and a yeah. lo- actually quite quite a lot of models. It's got 26 mm. off the top of my head, 11 Enforcers and 15 Corpus yeah, Grandi that's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, and they all look fantastic as mm. necromunda models tend to do i'm like yeah no i understand why it's that expensive i can't though i, yeah. I literally can't <laughs> i can't yeah. justify that <laughs> no it's, it's just a it's just that one step too far isn't it i mean like you said i mm. I, I when you see the the 175 
uh, price tag, yeah, you know, it makes you bulk a bit. And but like you said, you do get a lot. I think is it seventeen sprues of terrain with it. Of you terrain, know, yeah, yeah. You know, and so, then the mortalis tiles as well. And exactly. Everything. So I think you know. Again, I suppose it's like anything. You look at it as an investment at the end of the day, and I'm and I'm sure if you're really oh, yeah. into Necromunda, you'd be will. You know, you would be willing to pay that mm. price. Um, mm. I know. Again, it's going to put a lot of people off, but at the same time, it doesn't stop you getting into Necromunda. It's just the oh, box yeah. set, you know, the, the other stuff is still around. So it's not, you know, it's mm. not completely alienating people at the end of the day. It's just, yeah. I mean, and, and I suppose one thing I'm happy about is the fact that they're redoing, you know, the Necromunda box mm. set. I like the fact that they yeah. haven't just let it die off. They're still supporting it. They're still oh, yeah. getting books out. That game out. lives. <laughs> exactly. And I think I'm really pleased for it. You know, even if we don't get a chance mm. to play it, it's still, you know, still yeah. pleasing to yeah. see that. So I, I you and- know, yeah. 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 And I mean, for anyone who does want to get into Necromunda, don't let this stop you. If you really want this box, get it. I, I will not judge you for it. Trust me. It's an awesome box and you deserve to be happy. Uh, but also, the best Necromunda I've ever seen played was on a bunch of scratch built terrain made out of cardboard and duct tape. Because, like, the Games Workshop terrain, really nice. But if you want to create a truly crazy, messed up spire, like get Hive Spire or Hive Sump, like terrain, mm-hmm. build a bunch of stuff yourself. Cardboard's yeah. not super expensive, and no. it doesn't have to look amazing. It just has to be enough to let your imagination run wild with this game, mm. where you can do things like jump attack someone by falling three stories onto their head, and then you actually <laughs> you missed, fell to the ground, and fell onto your own grenade, blowing yourself up, and taking out the guy anyway, not just not as intended. Um, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure is something I've heard someone say happened in a game of Necromunda. So if if that's mechanically possible, God, I really hope it is. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think also going back to what you said about the terrain building it yourself. The good thing is, you know, with Necromunda in the you know in the law, everything's fallen to shit basically. So, oh, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you know, just take some, you know, like I said, cardboard or plastic card or whatever you build it and just, just wreck it, you know, just spray it in mm. metal in oh, the yeah. belcher and rust it up, muck it up. It, it'll, it'll still look very appropriate for Necromunda. So, you know, I, I, like I said, I think in the past, especially when I was a kid, some of the best terrain, like, you know, custom made terrain by, mm. you know, by people was always the Necromunda stuff. Some, some of the stuff that people do yeah. is utterly fantastic. And, and oh, like I said, yeah. we're not, you know, a massive budget either. So no, you can always get ways around it. I mean, ultimately, you know, with the box set, the the enforcers are still available. I know it's a different kit in mm. this box, and I'm sure you know people will be you know selling it separately, and obviously yeah, probably have its own yeah. separate release. But you can still get them, and obviously the the corpse grinder cults will, Ooh. I'm sure, no doubt get their their own release as well. Actually, so I d- I did want to say something about that. Yeah, sure. Because. Ages and ages and ages ago, when they first rebooted Necromunda, they talked about they would release a gang and then later would release an upgrade for that gang that would give them Mm. all new options and everything. And Mm -hmm. initially everyone went, oh, they mean the Forge World upgrades. But no, I think they mean they will just put out another kit of five to six models from that gang. And voila. Because, like, that Enforcer's box is half of a regular Enforcer's box with six new models, so presumably a sprue from a Subjugator's Enforcer's box mm-hmm. tossed in. Yeah. So I, yeah. I kind of hope that now they've established a bunch of gangs, they can start putting out updates to the other gangs to, you know, give them more options and more conversion potential and everything. Cause, mm. um, yeah. Oh, Necromunda's cool. I want to play Necromunda. Yeah, it really is. So do I. <laughs> so do I. It's just... 
just don't get the chance to with everything else. It's oh, yeah. It is, it is yeah. a cool system. And, and like I said, I'm really pleased for people who Necromunda is their main game because, you know, I'm sure they're, you know, absolutely loving the, uh, you know, what they're getting with it. So that's cool. Mm. Uh, yeah, and obviously it comes all the, you know, there's other extras. There's like, you know, obviously new new bases, new dice and, and such like as well. Um, mm. And basically the last little bit of news, again, is more Middle Earth stuff. So again, they're re-releasing some models um, as mm. well. So because they, they do this often where sort of models sort of go out of production as such and then they bring them back, you know, to, uh, yeah. to come out as well. So again, you know, if you're interested in Middle Earth, there's a lot of new, well, I say new, new old stuff. <laughs> coming coming out mm. so which is all really cool if you're into middle earth as well so yeah i said there's been a lot coming out and mm. oh i mean it's still not even the end of the year yet and we're still going to see probably loads more between now and <laughs> and christmas it's all very exciting mm. so yeah so yeah that'll be the news for this episode um and i think we'll take our next little break now um and when mm. we return we're going to talk about the thunder 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 Warriors, ho! Back soon. And we're back. We're back to talk about the Thunder Warriors. Everyone's favourite early space Mm. marines, but weren't. Sort of. (laughs) Pre-marines. Yeah, exactly. They're they're sort of a a part of history that... Well, 40k history that's very important, really, to know. Mm. Uh, But they're one of those sort of things in history that sort of tend to get spoken about but not always really given the attention you know they're sort of i think mm. people often know oh yeah the thunder warriors aren't they like early marines or something and yeah yeah, yeah they are um <laughs> basically but there's you know obviously a bit more to them and um trying to understand you know what sort of their background really um i'll be, I'll be honest i think the, the background is quite limited anyway mm. so you know like i said i don't see this being a very long section actually because even like i said doing research into this i did, I, I don't know if it's the same for you camera didn't feel like there's that much information yeah about them. no there's not there's not a ton <laughs> no so we, we just you know keeps it nice you know short and sweet really because it means we're oh, able yeah. to sort of give you i got things to do all, after yeah. this Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you t- here, have your Thunder Warriors lesson and then go. We'll go have dinner. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so like I said, we'll give you an overview of, of basically who the Thunder Warriors were and effectively what happened to them and obviously any uh, other little bits of information that we've managed to glean. And, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy mm-hmm. it. So let's yeah. start with, well, let's start with who they are, really. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose that's the, obviously the most important bit. Uh, I mean, fundamentally, they were, I said, the, obviously known as the Thunder Warriors, but also known as the the Thunder Legion or the Thunder Regiments. Um, mm-hmm. I, I must admit, I do like I do like Thunder Legion. I mean, mm. Thunder Warriors is cool uh, in its own ways, but it makes it sound like a Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> I must admit, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> like Thundercats. But yeah, I mean, they got they went under all these different names because obviously you got to remember that they they sort of are around in a time where history you know from a 40k perspective is a bit murky as mm. it, it tends to be often but especially back you know in in those sort of eras so so fundamentally they were basically 20 or so regiments of you know what could be classed as the first super soldiers uh for you know obviously fighting on behalf of the imperium of man or to basically become the imperium man is probably more appropriate yeah so like i said they were super soldiers basically created from alchemy uh you know basically a combination of alchemy mu- muscle grafting methods so 
you know, obviously back in the day, it would, you know, it's nothing compared to obviously what we see with like the Primaris Marines mm. and the way they're yeah. sort of churned out. It was very sort of basic, uh, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. what was created was obviously something that uh, sort of far outweighs what we see in real life these days. But, you know, back from, you know, if you're looking at it from a historical point of view, yeah, it was a bit crude <laughs> back in the mm. day. So like I said, muscle grafting and, and that sort of thing. Um, and like I said, they, they ended up becoming the precursors to obviously what we know as the current, you know, space Marines. Um, yeah. c- key difference as well with them is that they were basically created from fully grown adult male uh, mm. at the time obviously which fundamentally is different tonight because obviously basically they're made from you know sort of current space marines are made from from adolescents really so as obviously like i said whereas you know in the i suppose the fundamental difference is obviously marines are grown you know, obviously they're taken from an early age and, and basically mm. grow into their their new organs and new strength and such like whereas thunder yeah. warriors were basically fully grown men you know, basically bulked up, <laughs> sort yeah. of, you know, bolted with stuff <laughs> bolted on really to make, you know, sort of, to mm. sort of, they went, you know, a much quicker, you know, way of doing it basically. Uh, fundamental difference with them is that they were basically more savage, more unforgiving, uh, stronger, really. I mean, again, when I'm saying these things, I'm comparing them to yeah. current space Marines. So obviously yeah. you're naturally going to make that sort of comparison. So, yeah. So again, as well as them, you know, I said being crudely made again, they are more, more feral, more savage, more, you know, not as refined as we would, yeah. you know, see again with the, the current space Marines. Um, and, and in, in some ways they were better in combat because of it. Cause mm. again, cause of their strength, cause of their toughness, cause of their aggression, you know, is probably the best way to put it is like I said, you know, despite not having the, the sort of discipline or the the efficiency, I would say, of the current Marines is that, you know, they were just more, yeah, that feral side of them made them better mm-hmm. in combat. You know, but, you know, the, it's funny because obviously you look at, obviously well, Marines get described as like the ultimate shock trooper. In a way, yeah. these were as well because they were even, even more shocking, even more terrorizing, even more brutal. Mm. Uh, but, you know, obviously <laughs> that comes with a consequence where they're basically ultimately flawed, which will... Uh, cover in in shortly um mm. which you know that basically then the main things that they had to deal with is a combination of mental and physical breakdowns because you know unfortunately the science worked but only worked for a bit and obviously had as i said major consequences which we'll talk about shortly um i mean fundamentally the records explains their fate you know basically leading to the birth of what becomes the imperium of man uh but you know, like we said, it the the as a lot as you see with you know our, even our own real life history, things get covered up, and you know there's often more horrible truths, you know, to the way things go. But again, we'll uh, we'll talk about that uh, shortly. So uh, yeah. so let's yeah. talk, Cameron, about the Age of Strife. Alrighty. Uh, so for those who don't know, the Age of Strife was the period shortly before the Great Crusade, uh, when the Emperor was sort of getting getting everything ready to go, uh, which included uh, a very important job, which was take control of Terra and the rest of the soul system because he wasn't in charge <laughs> of everything at one point. I know it's hard to believe. I know it's technically <laughs> yeah. blasphemy, but the Emperor didn't always rule everything. Okay, guys? <laughs> Just putting that out there. Um, so, uh, in particular, um, this is effectively right after the dark age of technology. So humanity had just blossomed out into the stars on the back of this wave of incredible technological advances. And then the age of strife began. Uh, We've already discussed why the age of strife began actually, because it began with the beginnings of the fall of the Eldar. So essentially 
before Slanesh burst out into existence, uh, while while they were still sort of brewing in the warp and slowly forming as the Eldar got more and more depraved over the course of a thousand years, um, the warp could sense what was about to happen, and essentially for a thousand years, warp storms cut the entire galaxy off from itself. Uh, in particular, the soul system was cut off from the rest of the galaxy, uh, astropathic communications didn't work, um, interstellar travel stopped working for humanity, who at the time was using warp drives to get around. Um, I mean, as they still do, honestly. Um <laughs> And so during this period, uh, Earth basically <laughs> broke down, the planetary government sort of fell to pieces and everyone devolved into these sort of techno-barbarian tribes, uh, sort of stuck in continuous warfare for thousands of years, uh, because, you know, technology lasts as long as you know how to keep it going. And, uh, mm-hmm. as people, as people forgot, things started to fall apart. And as things started to fall apart, people got desperate. And next thing you know, you've got, ravening hordes with power weapons and like half working bolt guns running around um which actually sounds really awesome i want to see this we we've got 40k and 30k i want to see like 27k (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. because i think that actually be very interesting um i agree yeah so like you have techno barbarian warlords and you still have gene enhancement in the style of like the adeptus astartes and the thunder warriors but nothing to that level so like you know you have people going through steroid programs and all these alchemical processes to become stronger soldiers, but it's not very advanced. It's all superstitious and ritualistic, which I mean, fits right in with the Imperium, I guess. Um, and in this period, the emperor of mankind worked and toiled in secret to create the first genetically engineered super warriors, uh, which were the thunder warriors. Um, <laughs> definitely not as advanced <laughs> as the Adeptus Astartes and uh, definitely not created I, I, funnily enough, in as ethical a way, because apparently a bunch of the people working for the Emperor were actually people he had taken captive and said, hey, you've got to help <laughs> me build these really strong guys or I'm going to have to kill you, I guess is the the uh, the total to- to- totality, totality of it. Um, e- effectively, the Thunder Warriors were built to be faster, stronger, more powerful than any of the barbarian tribes around the area uh, who were quite strong, fast, and powerful. Um, on account of ancient technologies, gene therapies, all that kind of things. Um, however, uh, the Thunder Warriors got all the stuff. They got superhuman physical power. They got resistance to environmental hazards and psychic attacks. They were given a warlike spirit and strategic genius. Uh, there were 20 Thunder Regiments, uh, which the Emperor loves the number 20. And I kind of wonder if, <laughs> I kind of wonder if the Thunder Warrior Regiments were also linked to the DNA of Primarchs, actually. Mm, I have that theory, yeah. Yeah, we, we don't know. Um, there's not enough. Mm, um, seems a bit of a coincidence, doesn't it? Mm, mm. Uh, but effectively, they were created to drag Earth back to a state of, like, actual civilization and advancement and, They just marched across and tore down tyrants and brought the world together. Um, And eventually the Emperor revealed himself uh, via the Raptor Imperialis, which is his first icon, which was a raptor's head with lightning bolts uh, coming out of it, which is radical. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, that that was how he he got all his dudes going. It's the beginning of the age of well, beginning of the end of the age of strife. There we go. That's that's how to, mm. that's how to say it properly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and obviously that sort of led nicely into the 
what's known as the unification wars, which were basically or known also the wars of unification, you know, whichever mm. way around you want to have it. Um, this obviously fundamentally was at the end, like Cameron said, this was at the end of, you know, the age of strife. Things are sort of coming, you know, mm. it's been chaotic for a while. So let's, you know, let's have a, have a war to, you know, sort all this out really. So fundamentally, like I said, at this point, like Cameron said, Emperor has got his super soldiers ready. And obviously he's got all these techno barbarian lords that he needs to basically, you know, slap into place. Uh, Cause obviously, you know, the emperor being the, you know, being the being that he is, obviously he knows obviously what the future holds. Mm. And fundamentally he realizes that obviously, you know, unifying terror, bringing it all together under his command effectively is the way to go forward. And, and, you know, as we know, especially with human history, you know, might makes right, <laughs> you, know, you know, do it the, uh, the physical way and do it via war. So, um, so as I said, fundamentally through the unification wars, the, uh, like Cameron said, the, the emperor effectively came out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, mm. like I said, he just, like I said, all these lords are fighting each other, but yeah, he just basically come out of nowhere yeah. to basically defeat all the various warring factions. I mean, you know, it's quite interesting actually, when you look at the, the way that he deals with, uh, taking over terror, obviously a lot of the places that, yeah, and a lot of the wars that happen are in places that are very familiar to even now, like you get a reference to Brazil and Africa mm, and places like yeah. that. And obviously this is obviously old world uh, terror. So, you know, fundamentally he's, you know, fighting all over the place, using these super soldiers to, you know, to bring everyone under his, under his wing. Uh, so basically, you know, millions die in the fighting, as you would imagine. It's just mm. an absolute world, you know, effectively one big world war all over terror. Uh, you know, fundamentally, the the emperor's thinking of the greater good, not that greater good, his greater <laughs> good. Um, and, you know, because obviously, you know, fundamentally, like I said a minute ago, he he knows the future threats of chaos. He knows that when they advance in the stars, that there's going to be Xenos races out there to deal with. You know, he's you know he like I said he he knows this. Um, you know, and it's funny that, that you know there's basically a situation as we said we what we see with history where many mm. like imperial scholars are basically believing the death tolls to be nonsense or inflated. You know, like yeah, you know he wouldn't he wouldn't have let me, millions of uh, people die in his war. You know, it's the <laughs> emperor of mankind, and and you know that's just pure naivety at the end of the day oh, yeah. you know, fundamentally you know when you're as even you know even with the the greater intentions if you're trying to you know if you've got wars and factions and look you know techno barbarian lords in all different parts of the world and the planet you know fundamentally people will die as part of the consequence that's the you know the unfortunate nature of war so they're you know, like i said they're a bit deluded in that sort of way of thinking mm. um so, like I said, you've got all these, you know, these battles everywhere, and fundamentally, it comes to a head, which is known as the the Battle of Mount uh, Ar- Ararat, uh, which is basically, you know, like I said, the final battle uh, during mm. the Unification Wars, and it's, it took place in the Kingdom of Aratu, um, where basically Arik Taranis, who we will hear about shortly, who was also known as the Lightning Bearer, was uh, was supposedly the last surviving, you know, Thunder Warrior, throwing down his banner to unify terror, and then he, mm. you know, he just, you know, heroically died of his wounds at this yeah. point. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, this was a cover up of uh, of what you know was probably the uh, the real story wasn't it cameron yeah yeah uh so hey guys listen i know we love we love to meme for the emperor and you know heresy <laughs> scum and everything the imperium is a fascist autocratic theocratic state 
That is a terrible place to live and work in. And it was built on the backs of terrible, terrible things, such as, I quote, the culling. (laughs) Um, So the emperor knew that, you know, he would need something pretty barbaric to reunite Terra and then to sort of go out into the galaxy beyond. He'd need something a little more controllable and a little more refined. Um, And so the Thunder Warriors were a very short-term plan, Uh, you know, literally for this one thing of I've got to take over Terra first and then I'll figure out what to do with these guys. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, the official rec... And also, you know, he had to be the enlightened and invincible leader. So, of course, he had to have done all of this pretty much all by himself to build up the mythos of the Emperor. Um, you You can't say he had the help of, like, 20 million guys in power armor. That's not as heroic as the Emperor strode across Terra, slaying <laughs> warlords and drawing people together. Um, and also, you know, Thunder Warriors are, um, they're not very stable in general. Like, even before we get into their flaws, Astartes are created for multiple things. They are excellent soldiers, but they are also, like statesmen, lawmakers, uh, a guard force, effectively. They they fill a lot of roles, and they are well-suited to filling all these different roles, whereas a Thunder Warrior is literally created only for combat um, and is not particularly happy when doing anything else. Think of it as the difference between an Ultramarine and a World Eater, <laughs> effectively, I think is the best <laughs> way I'd put it. Yeah. Um, and so, like... He effectively he knew once his Imperium became relatively stable, the Thunder Warriors would be a problem. So why not solve the problem now Uh, instead of waiting 300 years and then having to deal with this massive amount of uh, Thunder Warriors trying to take down the state because they have nothing else to fight against. Um, And to be fair, he started he started simple, and the first thing he did was he stopped replacing them when they died. So, like, what was beginning clear, he was going to take over Terra. He's like, okay, we can do this with the numbers we have now. I won't replace anyone else who's died. If they ask why, I'm the Emperor. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, but, you know, they're also not super mentally stable. Uh, so sometimes they would go insane and, you know, in that case, lock them up and just leave them to die. Um, but eventually... The last battle of the Unity Wars um, took place, and the remaining Thunder Warriors were all in one place, so it was really, really easy to clean up the mess by just sending in the Legio Custodes, uh, because how do you beat a bunch of superhuman warriors with even more, even greater level of superhuman warriors? I was (laughs) going to say more, but there were probably less Custodes than Thunder Warriors at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, To be fair... To the emperor, uh, the awful person that he is. Um, <laughs> uh, some some sources state that uh, that some of the Thunder Warriors had realized that they had been designed to essentially be disposable and like have a have a short a, a short usage span, um, and turned upon him. Um, but apparently, several hundred custodians, led by possibly Constantin Valdor, and several thousand prototype Astartes of the First Legion, which I'm pretty sure is the Dark Angels, um, actually uh, actually went along for the ride and culled all the Thunder Warriors. All of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely all of them. Several 
definitely did not escape to no several of them escaped um (laughs) uh but the the vast majority of them that escaped died fairly quickly either at their own hands or the hands of allies in uh whether they died individually or in small groups um and the few that made it further uh lives their sort of anonymous and miserable lives in the fledgling imperium uh always fearful of being discovered uh however the imperium Mm. being the massive nightmare that it is completely forgot that anyone escaped and just left them alone for the most part. <laughs> of course, um, no. they, they couldn't be left alone for too long because uh, turns out uh, even if you don't kill them in combat, they will eventually just go away on their own, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they will. <laughs> like I said earlier, they're very, very flawed and they do have a lot of issues, unfortunately, because like I said, the... The technology and the science, the alchemy was, you know, pretty basic at that time. I mean, like, like we said, they, they, you know, they were useful. They did what mm. they were achieved to do. They unified terror. You know, that's, yeah. that is what the emperor foresee them to do. Uh, but like we said, you know, at the end of the day, they weren't going to last, you know, for the, you know, for the future really. So, you know, you get them on their way. Um, but like I said, they, they tend to do that themselves because they said they're far from perfect. They, they would unfortunately suffer with mental breakdowns and, you know, regardless of how powerful or strong they would be, they would basically suffer catastrophic biological failure over the years. Uh, you know, effectively mm. their bodies were turning against them, you know, rejecting the implants, rejecting the alchemy. And, mm. you know, unfortunately each one of them was almost a ticking time bomb you know, biologically from that point onwards, um, mm. you know, so, you know, so, you know, prior to this, so whilst the, the warriors, the you know, Thunder Warriors are out fighting, the Emperor was basically busy building a team, like a, like a team of scientists mm. and, and representatives, you know, to basically put into his, in, to be in his mountain fortress, basically ready to build what would be now the next stable fighting force for the whole Imperium. So, mm. so even like with, like, with the uh, the Thunder Warriors still, you know, doing what they were meant to do, he was already planning their <laughs> basically their successors. Uh, mm. Obviously, this led to the creation of the Primarchs and obviously the Space Marine Legions that we obviously know. Um, but you know, but he basically used the pros and the cons of the the Thunder Warriors to base them on. So effectively, they were this big um, elaborate experiment to mm. you know to get the job done. But then, like, yep, yeah, on your way now. We've got something better <laughs> coming along. Um, so. At this point, the the his, some of his personal bodyguards were used to be the first Space Marines, uh, mm. basically modifying them on you know obviously all different levels. They were strong, they were tough, they were disciplined, uh, they were quicker to be you know processed, and you know because obviously the systems were mm. becoming more refined, the science behind it, uh, and you know in some ways they were armed very similar to the Thunder Warriors as well. Yeah. Um, basically, these Marines were put into 20 regiments uh, of a couple of hundred each, and then each with a unique gene shield, obviously, as we know from the Primarchs, and obviously would inherit their traits. Uh, basically, these new fighters, mm. the, obviously the Space Marines, were started overtaking the Thunder Warriors, especially, obviously, in, in reliability. Uh, I mean, Thunder Warriors were still physically superior, uh, apart from, obviously, a very key thing, which we were alluding to, is they have mm. very, very short lifespans, unfortunately. Um, this was rumoured to be part of their, basically their genetic makeup. So, mm. you know, there's this horrific rumour that the Emperor's basing would know, you know, that they would fail, like, almost like it wouldn't be a shock. Like, oh, no, they've started collapsing and having mental breakdowns and falling apart. Oh, no, no one saw that coming. Uh, but obviously the Emperor, you know, effectively mm. would have done because... 
like I said, he's big, bad, and he's not a good, nice guy. No, <laughs> Despite no. what I think. Um, so basically, yeah, by, you know, by their genetic makeup, basically making them, you know, start failing, uh, they could be, you know, definitely be superseded. And, you know, mm. once, you know, unity had been brought to, uh, to terror, basically, yeah. you know, ultimately the Thunder Warriors were, you know, were brutal killers. You know, they don't know anything apart from war, you know, even more mm. so than obviously the space Marines, you know, and, you know, it's almost like they get shown as the epitome of humanity, like the worst of humanity. Um, and obviously, mm. the, you know, at this point, the emperor realized, you know, for his great crusade to happen, they would need to forge soldiers that were basically correct in, you know, mind, spirit, and obviously, you know, body, i.e. they don't, you know, collapse mm. after so many years, uh, which obviously formed the, the blueprint for obviously the Adeptus Astartes and effectively put the Thunder Warriors in the bin at this point. Mm. Um, you know, ultimately the Thunder Warriors were, you know, physically stronger, but I suppose you look at them as a one-use disposable item mm. to conquer a yeah. world. And then, you know, before they go out into the stars, then obviously they would need, uh, uh, you know, new new boys coming in, i.e. the Space Marines. Mm. But, uh, which is quite sad, really, you know, on a on quite a lot of levels. Um, yeah. But while they were still alive, Cameron, what are they? What were they fighting with? Uh, they were fighting with some pretty iconic gear. So the very first pattern of power armor was the Thunder Pattern Power Armor Mark I, uh, although the name was later assigned by the Mechanicum because uh, at the time it was simply called Power Armor. Uh, it's, <laughs> it was sort of based on powered combat armor worn by techno-barbarians on Terra, uh, but was effectively um the the first real update to that kind of concept of a powered exoskeletal armor um it's uh it's very different to modern day power armor uh it was never designed to fight in a vacuum or underwater so it's only for land engagements and as such it is not sealed in any way um (laughs) the really interesting thing is that the only powered part is the upper body um Hmm. Basically, ranged weapons were quite difficult to make and find in Terra, on Terra at the time, and so a, a lot of stuff relied on close combat and upper body strength. Um, and so, you know, why waste time and materials making the legs powered when you could just say, all this guy needs to do is stab 100 men a day, so I'm going to make his arms super strong. And <laughs> that's effectively what it was. Um it was produced on a completely local basis. It was produced as and when it was needed. Um, it was not mass produced in factories or anything. It's like, we've made a new Thunder Warrior, make him a suit of armor. Um, and so there was no super standardized design apart from the idea that it is powered armor from the waist up. It has some form of leg armor. It has some form of a helmet. That's the only standardization they had. Um, it was pretty, pretty heavily varied based on the individual wearing it. Um, it used coiled energy cables underneath armor plating to sort of get the power pack uh, boosting up those those good, good biceps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the legs tended to be just covered in actually padded breeches, so like cloth-based armor, although steel plating was also used. Uh, and sometimes, if you're really good at what you did, you got some armored greaves and boots. But... Uh, there were some downsides to this sort of cheapness and uh, ease of manufacture. Uh, it was not very quiet. 
uh, specifically because the legs are unpowered and thus can't be made to run silent by uh, sealing everything up and minimizing uh, minimizing mechanical wear and tear in the legs. Um, so they were not not there for a stealth action, really. Thunder Warriors were all-out assault, face-to-face, uh, face-on-the-battlefield face kind of deal. You can't really sneak around as one. Um, they had your standard array of nasty close combat weapons, uh, as you do. Uh, but they also had a large and powerful pattern of the bolt of the Astarte style bolter, um, which actually looks really cool. It's got like a multiple perforated barrel. Um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 very blocky and chunky, even by bolter standards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and that is that is uh, more or less what they uh, wore and fought with. Hmm. Cool. Okay. I mean, fundamentally, that's the. That's the Thunder Warriors in a in a nutshell. Because mm. as I said, the like we said at the start, there's not a massive amount, unfortunately, of lore out there. Because I suppose it is, like I said, like stereotypical history where it's all lost to the depths of time. Um, but there was a couple other bits we just wanted to cover. Because um, mm. I, I, I said to Cameron, I what I've read, uh, Dreams of Unity, uh, which mm. is one of the few short stories that involves the Thunder Warriors. Because I think fundamentally. Um, if you read The Outcast Dead, which is one of the Horus Heresy books, that's, you know, features a, or some Thunder Warriors. Uh, but also, like I said, there was a Horus Heresy short story called Dreams of Unity by Nick Kime, which again, sort of is obviously focused around them. And, mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's a good little read, actually. Um, I was sort of trying to, it's, you know, it's only about sort of 20, 30 pages long, but some of the bits I managed to glean from it is, I mean, the focus of the, the short story is basically some Thunder Warriors are fighting in gladiatorial pits because, you know, like we said earlier, where, you know, someone managed to escape after the, uh, the culling, uh, they fundamentally were just s- surviving, do whatever you could to survive. And obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Thunder Warriors would, um, do well in gladiatorial pits, funny enough, you know, like I said, they're, you know, they're brutal. They, you know, they know how to fight. So they were fundamentally, uh, you know, perfect for this sort of role. Um, how, how they ended up being there, the short story doesn't really sort of say, but you can just imagine that they've just, you know, they've gone from planet to planet and just fallen into this, uh, situation where they're basically part of a, uh, like I said, a, um, they got like basically like a gladiatorial dominus, you know, uh, mm. uh, sort of, you know, basically you know, taking their money and, you know, and paying them and, you know, and sort of, you know, organizing their, their fights and things like that. And it, it's quite a sad little tale really, uh, because fundamentally they're, you know, they're, they're dying, like, you know, we alluded to earlier, they're dying themselves, but you know, like where like one of them dies fighting a, you know, another gladiator, and it, there's a lot of harking back to the battles that they ended up fighting in, bef- you know, during the unification wars. Mm. Um, it, you know, you, it almost feels like, you know, like sometimes when you see films and, and such like where warriors are sort of are sort of forgotten about where they, you know, like they've been out to war, they've come back mm. from war and they've still got the, you know, they're still having the nightmare, still having the, you know, the PDST uh, and, but, you know, but they can't do anything about it. You know, and obviously that I think you know fundamentally this short story is highlighting that the re the reason they're still fighting in these pits is just to you know because it's the only way they can deal with things, and one 
interesting thing that happens is when I said the, one of the one of the Thunder Warriors unfortunately dies in the pits. Is they they take his body back, and obviously in your head you're thinking it's all so they can bury him and and obviously you know put him to rest, and and that does form part of it. But before they do it, they harvest his organs because fundamentally the other Thunder Warriors that are part of this you know this uh, of this gladiator you know gladiatorial pact pact mm. is they need the they need the the you know the nice organs that will keep them going mm. for x <laughs> amount of time i mean they're already living on borrowed time you know because fundamentally they're you know they're the year already alludes to the fact that they're sort of they're wasting away you know they're getting sort of forms of cancer and things like that and it's just you know they're like i said where their body's rejecting things and it's quite this sad thing where like there's the you know they've been fighting with this warrior back in the unification wars they've been surviving and then when he dies like okay we'll have his organs then so we can carry <laughs> on and you know it's sort of i mean i mm. it makes perfect sense in the grand scheme of it you can see why they do it but it's quite sad at the same time it's quite yeah yeah um but they a lot of them are dealing with these very lucid dreams of past battles and it comes to the point where like they 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 can literally go crazy you know literally they mm. they almost like the, you know the blinkers come down and they they don't even recognize their friends anymore. And, you know, it's almost like they're drawn back into the battles and, um, and, you know, and start fighting. I mean, the rest of the story is based about a custodian that gets sent to this particular world. Who's tra- who's basically, um, tracking a alpha legion, uh, legionnaire who's been corrupted and turned to chaos and, you know, has basically been morphed by chaos and he's leading a cult there. So, you know, so, mm. but that's just sort of a buy, you know, buy story really. And, um, but one thing that's quite nice is the fact that the, the basically the custodian gets helped and um, saved by the main Thunder Warrior that's part of this short story. And fundamentally, he, you know, he sort of afterwards like, oh, you know, what's your name? You know, the custodian says to the Thunder Warrior, and he's like, oh, my name is so and so, and and he's like, oh, you're a Thunder Warrior. You guys are still around, and so and there's almost like this respect, you know, because obviously in theory he shouldn't be around, but yeah. the custodian's like, no, nah, you know. I won't kill you, but even though he does kill him, but he kills him because the Thunder Warrior is dying of his wounds anyway. So he sort of yeah. puts him, so he gives him a, you know, a, clear, a quick death to, you know, sort of put him out of his misery. Mm. Um, but like I said, it's a sad little, it's actually quite a sad little tale, actually. Yeah. You know, it's just the, yeah. the way they're trying to survive. And, you know, it's almost like it's one of those situations where it's like, well, we didn't ask to be like this. You know, mm. we, we, you know, we've, mm. you know, we've made the universal the Imperial man, the way it is, you know, we look, you know, we've, you know, we're war heroes, we're war veterans and we're mm. just sort of cast away, you know, to die basically. And it's, yeah, I just find it, like I said, it's, it was interesting. It's an interesting yeah. short story, but quite, like I say, quite sad, you know, it was mm. actually, you mm. know, it's sort of, yeah, but yeah, it's worth, definitely worth <laughs> a little read though. Um, mm. yeah, so, uh, yeah. So Cameron, do you want to talk about, um, Arik Taranis? Yeah, uh, so Eric Terranus is the most well-known Thunder Warrior. Um, he was one of the first ones and obviously got himself quite a reputation during the Unification Wars um, to the point where millennia later, uh, Imperial records are still strewn with historic battles that he helped win, foes he had slain and honours he had earned. Um, he earned titles such as the Victor the Victor of Gadawere, the Last Rider, the Butcher of Scandia, which I think is Scandinavia, um, the Throne Slayer. Uh, he earned these and hundreds of other honors, and he is sort of seen in the Imperium still as sort of this peerless warrior. Like, Space Marines look up to the records of this guy and go, yes, wonderful. 
Um, and his life ended during the final great clash of the Unification Wars, the Battle of Mount Ararat. Um, he was posthumously awarded the title of Lightning Bearer, uh, the Imperium recording that he was among the remaining Thunder Warriors slain to a man in this final battle, uh, and that he succumbed to his wounds uh, only after raising the Emperor's Lightning Banner high to declare victory. Uh, of course, that's not the truth, uh, as you're pretty aware by this point. Um, <laughs> the, the Emperor was decided, yep, yeah, we got to get rid of the Thunder Warriors, uh, and Tyrannus was one of the ones who managed to escape. Um, interestingly enough, he did not actually have any ill will uh, towards the Emperor for this betrayal, uh, because as one of the early Thunder Warriors, he kind of understood. He had seen basically everything they'd gone through, and he sort of understood that they had always been a means to an end, and that they were always going to be replaced by these more advanced creations of the Custodes, the Astartes, etc. Uh, but he managed to hide himself on terror uh, among the among the normal citizenry, uh, and actually became a criminal warlord called Baba Takal. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he was the master of basically an entire city's criminal enterprises. Um, and basically, doing this, he spent a hundred years on the run from the imperial authorities and discovered uh, the inherent flaw of the Thunder Warriors uh, with their limited lifespan. Um, he maintained a well-equipped genetic laboratory. Uh, and essentially used that to extend his life the best he could. Uh, he couldn't actually stop himself from falling to pieces physically, but he could essentially stop it from killing him. Uh, he's sort of desperately clinging to life long enough, hoping for something to change. Um, and eventually he was brought into contact with a group called the Outcast Dead. Uh, this was a small mm -hmm. group of Astartes, yeah, very important, um, and they were the remnants of the Crusader Host, which was an honor guard of space marines from each of the legions uh, that served outside the Imperial Palace on Terra. Uh, and of course, when the Horus Heresy started, uh, these members of the Outcast Dead were declared traitor because their parent legions had turned, uh, and being one of only 20-odd traitor marines on Terra is probably not a good thing to be at the start of the Horus Heresy, so they uh, they were obviously hunted down um, and eventually captured. Let's see. I had, the, I had a note here. Where was it? No, there we go. Okay. There's only seven <laughs> of them. Okay, I got you. There's only seven of them. I thought there were more. I always get numbers wrong. Uh, so there was <laughs> there was a thousand sun, three world eaters, an emperor's children, a death guard, and a lunar wolf or son of Horus. Mm. Mm. Yep. Uh, and essentially, uh, they were cornered by an imperial hunter team that had been tracking them, uh, and this is where Tyrannus ran into them. Uh, so he and his lieutenant, uh, who was another Thunder Warrior who had survived, took advantage and managed to escape from the hunters there and got a progenoid gland off one of the outcast dead, um, and essentially started experimenting with this in his gene laboratory to try and fix himself and the other few remaining Thunder Warriors, he actually managed to make a new set of progenoid glands out of this uh, and presumably implanted them within himself and his lieutenant. And after that, we don't know where they went or what they did. No. Um, do, it's do, entirely do. possible they're still alive to this day. Unlikely, but possible. <laughs> oh, God, that'd be such a long pool. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I'd actually love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good book, actually, that Castad. As I said, it's part of the mm. Heresy series, and it's a bit polarizing because a lot of people 
weren't that keen on it. It's a bit of a, you know, it's one one of those, a bit like um, Nemesis as well, where, mm. you know, it's a bit of a love or hate it. And I really enjoyed it because, again, you, yeah. you see Thunder Warriors and obviously what they get up to, and it's, it's quite different to the rest of it. So, yeah, I'll definitely give it a go if you've not uh, read it. So it's definitely quite interesting. And, you know, again, it just gleans mm. a bit more information about the Thunder Warriors because, again, we've pretty much, you know, in this in this little section, we've pretty much covered mm. everything that's that's around because, like we said, there's not a great deal out there. But it's still good to know, you know, like I said, when you see mm. them being mentioned and you see, uh, well, recently seen on Twitter, people, can, you know, making their own Thunder Warriors, which has been really cool, actually. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to know. I You know, I think it's a a good bit of history in the from a 40K perspective to know about, you know, why they, you know, why they existed and, you know, I suppose it's like anything really when it comes to war and history, it's, it's, mm. you know, how did we get here? Well, they formed a bit part of, big part of it and, you, you know, almost don't want to forget them in that sort of sense really. So, yeah, that's the, mm. that's basically the Thunder Warriors. <laughs> so hope you've enjoyed that and learned a bit from it. So, uh, right. Okay. We'll mm. take our last little break, I believe. And then when we return, we're going to hop over to the Mortal Realms and talk about what we think is going to happen once all the 2.0 stuff is out. Back soon. Mm. Right. Time to wrap up this show with a final segment with a nice little discussion topic talking about AOS 2.0. So, as we know, from an AOS perspective, there's only a few more books left or battle tome updates to sort of, like I said, to get mm. AOS to 2.0. Obviously we know Slaves to Darkness is out uh, looking like it's next month. And then fundamentally, I think apart from if anything, any random new race comes out of nowhere, mm. um, which I think at the moment is probably a bit unlikely, or at least for a while because of the Bone Reapers. Uh, fundamentally we got Disciples of Zinch, we got Caradron Overlords and we've got, what's the third one? Ugh. What's the other one? Zinch. No, Dunzi. Zinch, Caradron, and... <laughs> um, Seraphon. Seraphon. Seraphon, Seraphon that's it. One. That's it. That was the bit. I, I've been bloody talking about this most of this week. And yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah, Seraphon being the other one. So, like I said, um, I mean, obviously we don't know when these, you know, these are the th- last three armies are going to be updated, but I'm sure it's going to be relatively early into mm. next year into 2020 um yeah so you know so at that point like i said in theory every army will be up to 2.0 you know with sort of you know mm. not all with endless spells but most, you know quite a few with endless spells with terrain they've got like i said at least a second battle tome more in some yeah. cases or on at least a third or fourth um <laughs> So what do they do next? You know, because obviously, mm. do do they continue the cycle? Do they sort of think, right, okay, let's let's do three But I think you know they now that Soul Wars has been around a little while. I think I sort of get the impression they're probably quite happy with this at the moment. So, mm. like I said, we're just talk about what we think GW may do. You know, from a release perspective, or, you know, or in general, what do you think they will do after that? So, Cameron, mm. what's your you know what what are you thinking? Um, my first thought is 
as far as these three battle terms go, it's going to be Zinch and Caradron at the same time, and then Seraphon after them. Simply because Seraphon were the first battle term, therefore they must be the last. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but also because you could do a really cool Caradron and Zinch box set with like screamers and flamers chasing the Caradron through the skies and stuff. I think it'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, then we'll have Seraphon, and so I, I reckon Zinch and Caradron won't be massive updates. Like they'll bring them up to date with 2.0 style stuff so you'll get you know more command abilities stuff like that you'll probably get a new hero for each side zinch will be a big update in terms of apparently that book needs a shit ton of errata uh and also <laughs> yeah i've heard <laughs> the also the magic faction doesn't have its endless spells and can't <laughs> steal everybody else's endless spells yet <laughs> yeah. so um let Zinch use magic 20, 2019 slash 2020. I'm into it. <laughs> um, and then I I think personally the Seraphon line is going to be a pretty big revamp. Mm, like, hope so. I, I, rec- I really hope so because I really hope they'll redo Saurus Warriors, Skinks, Croxagore, um, throw it, maybe maybe redo the, the little beasties like the Racer Dons as well. Just get all the fine cast stuff out of there, update all the older looking sculpts to look a bit better. Um, and after that, it's realistically anyone's game, which is why I'm saying light and shadow elves, 2020, <laughs> please, <laughs> God. <laughs> like I see these rumor engines. I'm like, that's an elf thing. Give me Malarian, please. I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel, I feel like we harp on about this like once every couple of months, but I'm like, come on, come on. It's the one thing everyone's yelling for mm. like uh, don't get me wrong new stuff like Ossiarchs is super super cool but there's this stuff that's been super established for like the last couple of years at this point yeah and we we want it we want it so yeah. bad give it to us yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i i know i know a lot goes into creating a new faction both from a design and then rules and everything like that but like i said i suppose that yeah, they're, they're, they're like it's funny with elves because obviously you've got the deepkin, you've got the the wanderers, you've got the you know all the ones that are part of cities of Sigma. Obviously, you've got the daughters of Cain. So you have got an elf presence, but to me, it doesn't feel like there's a definitive elf presence in AOS at the moment. Mm. Like there needs to be something because I know, like say going back to the deepkin, you know they're elves, but they're so different that sometimes I forget they're elves in their own way. Mm. Like I think yeah. now that we you know, now the high elves are not really, a, you know, not really a thing. I know there's still got a few units around, and obviously the dark elves are still around. But obviously, you know, they've sort of been culled slightly as well. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. I think they do need their own presence there, and it, and also, like I said, we need an, a description or an explanation of what, you know, what Tyrion and Teclis and and Malarian mm. are up to. You know, obviously we know they've been mucking around with Slanesh, and obviously. Uh, you know keeping yeah. him at bay but yeah. you know they need they need to have yeah their sort of presence really and i and like who doesn't like a new army as well ultimately mm. <laughs> yeah, there's always something cool about something brand brand new so no oh, i yeah. can i can see that um i'm hoping that we may get some more campaign books as well similar mm. to what they're doing on the 40k side with psychic awakening but i think something that bring i i think having realm wars would be more would be cool you know i know we've got the realm gate wars that which is like the early aos history and there's been campaign books but 
you know, something for something for the now, really, something where, you know, they they mm. they sort of stretch the mortal realm, stretch things so that that you know there is there's inter realm wars uh, and things like that. Really, would just yeah, just I think it just make it quite interesting. Now, you know, have some significant lore impacts as well. Have campaign books, mm. which again, like we're seeing, like we saw with like um, again with forty k with like Vigilus West, like yeah, you know, shit's going down. <laughs> you know, like this this actually mm. see. It. Oh, I know yeah. we've had I know we've had Soul Wars and obviously the Necroquake was a big thing, but like. Right now, let's add to that. Let's have some really significant things. You know, bring mm. bring players back into. It. When I say players, I mean like actual characters. Like what's mm. like we've said before. What's Vander's Hammerhand doing at the moment? Oh yeah, because the song. I don't know what he's up to. Waiting like, around, sort of, getting reforged every time yeah. he gets killed in a tournament. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, have, it's almost like it feels like there needs to be something big to happen that's sort of a bit controversial. And I don't mean. Not a Stormcast Horus Heresy thing necessarily, but it's almost like there needs to be something like I know the Necrake was big, but that's just sort of quite generic. You almost something like no, you know, like whoa, no, I wouldn't see, I didn't see that coming. Mm. You know, it's, it needs something like that, and it, it could it could be driven through, you know, a big campaign, and obviously with you know with separate books, maybe for each realm would be quite cool as well. Why they have their own, you know, different realms. Mm. Um, you know, and I just, I just think it would bulk the setting out, really, and you know, and, yeah. and, and things, and also because again, we're in this sort of danger now, where obviously, you know, AOS is you know deemed the the bit more the, the slightly more simple game. You know, that's subjective, mm. but you know, ultimately, it's still not always simple though. Uh, and obviously, they've added you know forbidden power, malign sorcery. You know, I mean, like they, you know, from a gaming perspective, they've added more things on top and obviously do mm. you know do you think that they need to add more on top and you know like do you feel like there needs to be mm. more rules or more ways of playing do you know like or do you think it, it's in a, it's the danger where it could just get more complicated and it gets a bit out of hand yeah i think i think mechanically speaking aos is actually pretty good right now like it's not insanely complex it's not super simplistic um, I think especially if they keep doing what they do with General's Handbook and just release more generic command abilities every now and again, that mm-hmm. will help keep things up to date a little more. But it's pretty good. I I personally don't have... I think the main thing people go, yes, get rid of the double turn. I don't personally have a super big issue with it, um, mm-hmm. apart from like the, oh, I don't do anything for another 20 minutes. Uh, but uh, it, it's part of the game. It's something you have to gamble on all that kind of stuff. So I think it's fun personally. Um, I'm pretty happy with where the game is as it is, but I would love, like you said, more stuff like more campaigns, more story advancements, not necessarily stuff that make the game overall harder to play, but just more fun narrative stuff and keep pushing the story forward. Like I want to see full on war in heavens. I want to see what happens when the Skaven accidentally dig a Norhole into the bottom of Sigmar's bathroom. (laughs) <laughs> and just drain away all this shampoo um, into Skaven Blight. No. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, I, I, I want to see the next big thing. Because, like, so far we're getting lots of cool stuff with um, the Necroquake, and they've done really well, i got to say, with keeping things going there. Like, all the all the novels, interesting stuff's happening. Every faction is being affected by this. Um, the story moving forward is being heavily affected by what Nagash has done. I feel it's getting about time to start introducing the next step past this like 
Yeah. Not necessarily go and Nagash was defeated by order combined and it wasn't a problem anymore. Look, let let, let Nagash <laughs> still be that rising threat in Shaish, but it's maybe time to shift the focus away from what Nagash has done and is doing and just kind of pull it over here to see, I don't know, what's Gorkamorka doing, what's Tyrion and Teclis doing, what's Malarian doing, mm. all mm. that kind of stuff. Or Hell, what's um, what's Alariel doing? Uh, give us more Konothi, please. They're so cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like if AOS keeps what it's been doing and keeps updating things as they go, but keeping new and fresh things coming all the time as well, I think I'll be very happy with it for many years to come, even if it doesn't get yeah. much more complex. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think I think a AOS three point doesn't need to be a thing at the moment. I mm. think, you know, just keep building upon 2.0, you know, have everyone as balanced as can be. Obviously, I you know that's, again, a subjective yeah. thing. But, you know, I think keep adding, you know, I, I think we're in a position where they can keep adding new forces. When I say new forces, I don't mean necessarily new armies, but, you know, add new, you know, new tribes, new hosts, new storm uh, hosts, you know, sort of just things mm. that... You know where, like, right here. There's a, you know, you, these this faction hasn't been touched for a while. Here's some new mm-hmm. models with, you know, these new guys there. Again, not done. I was have to be uh, Stormcast, but again, like you know, like they did with the Sacrosanct. Here you go, new chamber, but with all new shiny gubbins, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, and again, they can do that um, because again, as we know, the, you know, the mortal realms are so vast, things could be forgotten about, and they've just have been completely mm-hmm. untouched. And like, oh, here you go. Here's some new. Chaos Barbarian Horde out of nowhere because they've just been, you know, chilling <laughs> over in, in Shaish for a while, you know, because, yeah. because they have. And it, and it, you know, it gives them a lot of sort of opportunity and leverage to, you know, to bring this sort of stuff in, really. Um, because again, I don't, what I don't want to happen mechanically is AOS to get more complicated, like with too much stuff. Because mm. again, you know, because obviously, you know, they've added, they've kept this, you know, this, this simple rule, um, rule set, which is to me a very good thing. Keep the double turn, keep, uh, you know, keep the, the realm rules, the realm spells and stuff. But again, you've got to be careful how many layers you add to it, because again, that's when things can get mm. a bit complicated, needlessly, you know, sort of complicated. But yeah, uh, I'd also like them to bring back or sort of what they were doing with, uh, was it? Uh, the chaos uh, terrain stuff. What was the name of that? What that book? That um, you know, there was a book that was about literally terrain, and it was chaos yeah. something. Chaos dread dread oh dreadhold dreadhold yes yes and that yeah br- you know bring some like you know bring it where people have got a big massive castle and it's got all different mm. rules to it and it you know and bring you know bring that into 2019 2020. Uh, I just think that would be really cool. Just sort of, you know, I, because I think there's so much narrative, uh, you know, wealth with AOS that, you know, it just make it fun, you know, make it where you have these epic battles and, the, you know, because I, I always feel that AOS is definitely starting to adapt to a lot of more the quirkiness. I mean, look at uh, Catacross with the Bone Reapers where the fact mm. you've got to deal with all these mini-bosses before you deal with him yes. at the end. You know, that's an awesome mm. idea. Like with the um, with the more tribes where we're seeing the fact that, you know, they, they're either hungry or eating, you know, just like they yes. you know, it's amusing yeah. stuff, but it makes things cool and interesting mm. and you know and yeah. I, I i just hope they expand on that you know and i 
you know, I, yeah, I just, mm. I don't want them to go crazy with things. That's what, like, keep yeah. it level for yeah. a while and, yeah. and, you know, but like, we'll see. Yeah, uh, I don't think Age of Sigma will ever be boring. Like, I think what really makes it stand out from 40K, because 40K is the more complex, quote-unquote, realistic thing with the way more fleshed out lore and everything and then you go to age of sigma what does age of sigma have it has really narrative cool fluffy rules that mm-hmm. are not crazy they're not crazy but you you know like you have ogres hungry versus eating um you've got all kinds of good things like the slanesh stuff is incredibly vibrant and it feels alive in age of sigma mm-hmm. and then you look over at 40k and the same stuff the same demons in 40k rules wise are like, oh, it's another fast light infantry that's okay in melee. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't yeah. have anything, it doesn't have any mm, pizzazz. Uh, and that's where Age of Sigma mm. si- shines. It really mm. leans into the fantasy side of it. Yeah. Uh, whereas 40k leans much more into the science fiction side of the fact that it's a fantasy sci fi setting. But, you know, but yeah, I, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a very interesting year for Age of Sigma next year. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. There's going to be some yeah. great stuff. Yeah, and, and like like we've seen with uh, when they did last General's Handbook, where they obviously introduced like meeting engagements and mercenary companies. Mm. I'm hoping for more of that, where it's easy yeah. stuff yeah. and it gives you a bit more things, just to fl- you know more more alternatives. Where but you know you don't have mm. to; it's all optional. And it ju- yeah, like I said, it can just you know you can play play things in a different way. You can add more narrative to it. You can dig out models that you didn't think you would be able to and. Yeah, just have a good time. Like I said, I think AOS always feels like it's more about having a good time. If mm. that sounds, <laughs> you know, it should be all about having a good time. But there's something about AOS because of its quirkiness, I think, that uh, mm. allows it. But yeah, so yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Like I said, I, I like you. I think that we will see something quite significant next year. I've got that vibe oh, about yeah. AOS because they they sort of will have to because like I said now there, there's only a few more books left to come mm. out or need updating you know then yeah. they're like because at least that's kept them going for a while mm. yeah, cause, mm. and to be fair they've still you know even with the fact they're up trying to update all the books they've still managed to give us like malign sorcery you know soul wars and and three uh, new forbidden, factions three new forbidden <laughs> power so it's not like you know they've still managed to do all that as well as still updating mm. the books but you know i suppose it, you know, it, it's seeing what what like what forty K is doing. Whereas obviously, like all the codexes are updated now. I mean, there's a yeah. few that are now still a little bit out of date because they were at the other end of it. But but in theory, they've all got an eighth edition codex, and obviously now they're going right. Mm. Psychic Awakening. Let's have some campaign books, and it's almost yeah. like AOS is going to get to that point soon. It's like right, what are you going to do? <laughs> so yeah, it's. Uh, I think mm. we've got some exciting times ahead in the mortal realms, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, that's been a nice little chat, um, and it's been a fun little episode as well. Like I said, it's mm. amazing that we've hit episode 40. It's crazy. <laughs> so, um, like I said, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, mm. And Cameron, as always, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at night underscore twin. That's night without a K, uh, where I will be posting... The terrible, terrible thing I showed Matt during the break, which is, um, <laughs> so th- there's, there's a lot of bushfires going on in Australia right now. And so, for example, if I wish to drive from Western Australia to South Australia, normally that's a couple days drive. It's only like 2000 kilometers. Um, now if I want to do it, 
I have to drive an additional 67 hours, which is an additional 6,000 kilometers, because (laughs) we only have one road that goes across the bottom of the continent, apparently, and to otherwise get to South Australia, you have to head directly north to the top of Australia, across the Northern Territory, then back down south, directly all the way down to the bottom of the country to get south. It's nonsense. You'll see it there. Um, you, You know love your fire service please they need money and support um <laughs> what crazy. about you yeah it, it's, it's messed yeah. up what about you <laughs> you can find me on twitter as well at ninja badger seven um i'm busy playing the outer worlds at the moment uh on on uh, ps4 and it's really good i'm really loving mm. it so it's nice oh, to yeah. delve into space at the moment and have an alternative to what else is going on in the world. Uh, and I think after this episode, I'm going to have a roast dinner and I'm going to carry on building my feculent normal. Yes. I'm going to do it that way around. So I'm not, you know, so I'm not, you know, ill before I have my, uh, <laughs> before I have my roast dinner. Uh, anyway, uh, you can also find the podcast on Twitter as well at realm and ruin. That's where we hang out. Come along and chat um so yeah i hope you've enjoyed this episode it's been great fun as always uh we've only got what three more left i think after this one now for the year which is quite well yeah sorry for the year not not in general we're not going doing three more and then uh kaput no when we we reach episode 43 they send a games workshop executive to kill us Um, (laughs) yeah we're like the thunder warriors (laughs) they're just gonna kill us (laughs) kill us off But no, it's like I said, after this episode, there's uh, part of a minute if we do any more uh, Warhammer waffles uh, between now and then, which we may do if we get the time. Mm. Uh, like I said, there's only three more main episodes for 2019. So we're going to be tackling the Bone Reapers next episode, as we alluded to. So can't wait to talk about that. And mm. as always, we'll catch you on the next show. Bye. ta